from Parts Unknown. This is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. Welcome to the Snatching Defeat out of the Jaws of Victory edition of the TK and J Show. I am TK. And I am Jay. Jay, before we talk about the debacle in Oakland, let's talk about your week, man. How you doing? Man, the week was good. Uh, it was a rather pedestrian week, which is awesome when you're an adult, because doing nothing is something that is very sparse at this age. How's your week, man? My week was good. You know, piggybacking off that, you know, sometimes just hanging around the house, enjoying time with uh, with, with the wife, uh, saves you money. You don't have to go out and do anything anymore. You don't have to impress anybody, which I like to. Just lay on the couch and watch football all day, and that's you know kind of what I did this weekend, other than playing golf two times. Yeah, it looks like it's becoming a reoccurring theme that you're getting out there to the links. Oh man, until it starts snowing, I'll be out there every off day as as uh, as much as I possibly can be, especially with the way I'm hitting the ball right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, what you score these uh, past two ones? Uh, I played a course that really chews me up and eats and spits me out a lot. Uh, Barberton Brookside on Saturday, I shot a 101. Really, kind of struggled on the on the front nine. And I uh, really came together on the back. And then I went to Deer Pass and really started off terribly, even for, for me playing at Deer Pass. Mm-hmm. But I parred the 7th, 8th, and ninth holes to finish with a 99 because we played the back first because of how many people were there. Uh, so I was happy with that. And my one buddy was asking me, he was, hey, we should play nine more. I'm like, absolutely not. I parred three holes in a row. I am not going back on that course until Monday. That sounds like a baseball player. Uh, you know, ended, ended on a good one. See it and then... Let it go. Yep. Oh, yeah. So I'm playing, uh, hoping, going to go out there and play uh, Monday. Not sure where we're going to play yet. Um, it's up to my buddy Brian, wherever he wants to go. He mentioned playing out at the quarry out there in Medina. Um, never played it, so hopefully we can get their fall rate and not spend an arm and a leg because I am Mr. Cheapskate when it comes to playing golf. Yeah, but, you know, times are hard, man. you got to save up every money, a bit of money you can. Absolutely. I mean, I don't even have kids yet, and I feel like I should be uh, saving for their college. I, I did have one thought in my mind, though. I, I off air, you had you had mentioned something about there was a turkey bowl team that wanted to challenge our turkey bowl, and I kind of wanted to go on public and say, anytime that team is ready to get this work, they can sign up for this work. Oh, hang on. I mean, I can we can talk about that because I have some of the chat here that we have. Um, he thinks that we should come out and play them, but see. They're, they take it a little too seriously, and I'm hoping that some of them hear this, but, like, when we play, we usually have, what, seven on seven, eight on eight. Right. Everybody can be a quarterback if they want. Absolutely. Everybody goes off for a pass. There's no offensive line. There's no defensive line. I'm not going to sit there and tell guys how to pass protect. Sure. We're just going to line it up and play a glorified seven on seven game. Even yeah. if ten guys show up, I'd rather have ten guys going out for passes than – Trying to figure out who wants, who wants to play in the offensive line in the damn turkey ball. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I did bring it up to big big man Morton, and he said he'd be glad to push some guys over. But uh, he's also an asset as a tight end, too, and a wide receiver. So. Oh, yeah, I can't risk losing that. But, uh, you know, I basically told him that I've talked to you guys about coming out. Um, but quite honestly, Jay, I don't think it would be a challenge. I don't know? think so either. Because with, with me at the helmet quarterback and you guys doing your thing out there, I just don't think these guys can match up pound for pound, position for position. They might have a little bit of speed, but they don't have any height. I don't. I don't think they understand what what kind of work is going to come to them and what kind of storm that will be brought upon them if if they do. But I have guys that you know 
if we can set something up before, I know TK said he might be out because he's a one one football day person. But if you guys want to set something up, I got I got guys. I mean, I'll I'll play quarterback all day, but I am not playing defense. If you want to lose, you'll put me in on defense. But if you want to win, you've seen it. I can I can throw that pigskin around. I can sling it around and hit guys on deep routes, short routes, corner routes, you name it, and I can put it in a spot where only my guy's gonna get it. Well, if if they're listening, which I hope you guys are, I hope Nate. I hope everybody's listening. If you guys want that, want to do this, we could set something up before Turkey Bowl because we we like our own Turkey Bowl game, but we'll come play you guys before just to get a little warm up, just to get a little fun. I know all my guys are ready to go, so if you guys can you can get your guys together, and you guys come out, we'll play you. Maybe we'll just show up to Gene Clark before you guys on Thanksgiving and make you guys go play somewhere else. We play you for the field. Practice field is for the uh, the women, so you guys can go play over there. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, coming off the smack talk, and I'm sure I'll get some Voxer messages from that. So let's talk about the debacle that was out in Oakland. Quite honestly, Jay, I thought Baker Mayfield played very well. Um, First career start, he did have four total turnovers. One of those turnovers I didn't think was his fault. When you hit a guy right in the hands, whether he's falling or not, and it gets tip for a pick six off your own guy. That's not the quarterback's fault if you hit the receiver right in the hands. Yeah, and and it was there was 10, 10 drop passes that day. Um, well, at least that what I counted. 10 drop passes, and that's unacceptable. Baker Mayfield looks to be the real deal, and it looks to be that the Browns may have found their quarterback. So his receivers got to help him out. Uh, there's no excuse this time that they hadn't seen him, they hadn't played with him, he wasn't taking first-team reps. He's here now. Catch the ball. So 10 drops, Baker was 21 of 41 for 295, two touchdowns, two picks. I I counted four to five passes watching the game live. You thought you saw 10. He did overthrow Callaway into the end zone for an easy touchdown, which I think they'll get that timing down. But if let's just assume that eight of those 10 passes get caught. So that puts him at 29 of 41, probably for a 365, 380, probably another touchdown. That is a historic start for a guy. And with with what he had already, he was already in the top five ever of guys to show of, of debut of quarterback. So basically, he's arrived. He's the real deal, and I'm excited for him. It's just we've got to get to the winning ways. And Baker's already there. He's already saying, "I'm excited to win. I want to win. I'm hungry to win." You guys got to step it up, right? And I have to give Baker credit, too, because uh, I was reading an article, and I don't have the amount of drives in front of me, but um, in roughly half the amount of playing time, he's put up 63 points to Tyrod Taylor's 39. So for those of you out there still saying that Tyrod Taylor should have been the guy, or I even saw some people on Twitter saying that Johnny Manziel led people to a touchdown, led the Browns to a touchdown on his first drive, and that it should still be Johnny time, and the guy was seriously defending Johnny Manziel. I have to completely disagree with you because this team, even though it was very infuriating to watch the defense in the fourth quarter, it was fun to watch them move the ball. And I felt like any drive, any time they could bust a big play for a touchdown and they did it time and time again. And that man that defended Johnny Manziel, you deserve a Snickers, man. Cause when, when, when you're hungry, you, you tweet out stupid stuff. Uh, Johnny Manziel is not, he's, he's not the real deal. I mean, we've seen it time and time after again, I don't even know why we're even talking and wasting time about Johnny Manziel, but I feel like I have to say something about it because someone was so adamant. The man was terrible. He never knew how to read defenses, and he went to the CFL and still did the same thing. He debuted with four 
picks. One of them to be a pick six in the CFL. You're definitely not NFL caliber quarterback. No, absolutely not. Uh, the Browns ran for 208 yards in this game, led by Nick Chubb. Three carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Carlos Hyde, 22 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. When was the last time you remember a Browns offense having three rushing touchdowns in a game on the road, nonetheless? It's been a while. It has definitely been a while, but I'm telling you, I'm excited about Nick Chubb. And I was one of the few that wanted Nick Chubb from the beginning. When I when people would ask, who do you want out of the draft? I, and I would say, you know what? Over Saquon, I would rather have Nick Chubb because I didn't think we were going to get Saquon. I, I wanted us to get a quarterback. So I was thinking – you, you pass on Saquon, you go ahead and get your franchise quarterback, and Nick Chubb will be there for you, which he was because he's a sleeper. You know, he was injured twice at Georgia, and so people didn't really want him. But I seen what the guy do could do living in Georgia, and this is what he does. Those two touchdowns was exactly what Nick Chubb always does. Run between the tackles, gets the outside, he's gone. See you later. And he has freakishly fast speed, and he made some guys – look foolish. Some of those Raider defenders are still looking for their jockstrap now on Wednesday of this week. He made guys look awful. And, and he's a big dude. He, you would think when you're looking at Nick Chubb, his his physical uh, his physical look is somebody that's just going to run you over, but he could do so much more. He, he is definitely that guy that will go, he will separate from you easily. And I love that about him. I, I For me, you know, I kind of think they should get him more touches, you know, split him with Hyde, you know. After this week, you have to look you into have that. You um, 42 total points, Jay. Most since that shootout with Cincinnati back in 2008. I believe they scored 57 in that game. It was like a 57-47 win. Um, he did complete passes to six different receivers. That's all good. Now let's talk about the bad and what led to the downfall. Derek Carr. 437 yards, four touchdowns. You did pick him off twice, but when you turn the ball over four times and give up touchdowns on most of those turnovers, it makes it tough to win. He completed passes to eight different receivers. They had no answers for Amari Cooper or Jared Cook. Between the two of them, 16 receptions, 238, and three touchdowns. Yeah, and they also didn't have any answer for Marshawn Lynch. The beast mode was dragging people, uh, with the exception of uh, Miles and uh, Joe. Uh, the, the tackling was just poor. It, it just it needed a lot of work, and especially there was a lot of times where you would see the group get around Marshawn Lynch, and he would just bust out for three, four more yards. And if it wasn't for that uh, phantom forward progress call on him, he would have, Marshawn Lynch might have went for a touchdown. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna. That, there was a couple of phantom forward progress calls. Um, I felt our defense was gassed by the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, including overtime, the Raiders ran 90 plays on offense. They gave up 21 fourth quarter points, which is the exact opposite of what Oakland was uh, used to going into that game. They had been outscored 37 to three. You had a 14 point lead and an eight point lead in the second half. Jabril Peppers, I know he's a Michigan guy, no tackles, can't make good return um, it turns in a kicking game to save his life. Bad decisions. Couldn't have said if he wanted to come out. Mm-hmm. Almost took a knee at the two-yard line. You can see if you were to bust a kick out to the left or to the right, you have open room. And he's running into the backside of his own guy every time. It's It was infuriating to watch Jabril Peppers touch the football. I think people expect a lot out of Jabril. Um, and I'm one of the first people that would say that where people want Jabril Peppers to be, he's a little overrated in those positions. Uh, he's overrated as a safety, and he's overrated as a returner. 
He had one return for a touchdown at Michigan in his whole entire career. Um, he never really played the safety position at Michigan. He was a hybrid linebacker, and I think that's where they need to put him. Uh, it, stop being stubborn and put him there. That's what he was best at. He was a catalyst for the defense at Michigan playing that hybrid linebacker position. So more of a rover outside linebacker position is where he should be. But where they're putting him right now, I don't I don't know where they got the analytics or the tape that they want to keep putting him there. But, uh, man, it was a travesty as a return guy. It was it was awful. Yeah, it was tough to watch. And Antonio Callaway's having a tough time catching the football, regardless whether it's kick returns, punt returns, or even uh, pat- catching the football uh, from a quarterback. Uh, so the Browns definitely have some adjust- adjustments to make. Um, cause I could argue that, uh, they are, you know, a couple of, uh, special teams plays away from at least being, you know, three and three and one or two, one and one. It's crazy to think that hopefully don't, we don't have to say this all season, but we are a couple of plays away from being an undefeated team in, in every facet. So I hope that we don't have to say this too much longer that we are a play or a kick or a, a bad call away from being an undefeated team because we're, we're good. We're, we're not a bad team. In fact, I, I feel if we're doing power rankings, we're a top 10 team right now. It's, so it's funny you say that because Ben Albright, we follow him on Twitter with our show page. I follow him okay. on, on Twitter. He's got the Browns as a, his number 10 team right now. And that kind of, he took a lot of flack for that. But if you look at the way that the Browns are playing offense and up until the second half of the game against the Raiders, the defense was pretty darn stout as well. If you're looking at it, if we're not a top 10 team, then then who's who's better than us? You, first of all, going off of records, we're still better than Pittsburgh and and, and the, and the uh, Patriots right now. So it, it, those are two elite caliber teams. So why would we not be a top 10 team? We're, we stymied the Saints. We barely lost to Pittsburgh. We I mean, I'm sorry, we tied Pittsburgh. We barely lost to the Raiders. Uh, you know, what, what makes us not a top 10 team right now? We have the talent. There's no excuse. We, we're, we're a good team. It's just that we're not finishing. We're not catching those breaks. And we should be 4-0 right now, but we're, we're just not. Speaking of breaks, two controversial calls late in this game. And I'm not going to say that it's completely the referee's fault that the Browns lost this game. Oh, I will. But – they're a big part of it. Yeah, you can't give up 21 fourth quarter points. You can't. However, every time Oakland seemed to score, the Browns seemed to answer. But <clears throat> you've got the phantom forward progress call that stopped the clear strip sack of Derek Carr, and we were headed to the end zone oh, for a, a touchdown. And score. It was a scoop and, and score. There was no – he had a blocker hat out in front of him. That puts you up 42-34 with four minutes left. And then the NFL changing the spot of the first down – even the guy who was doing the replay uh, analysis for Fox was stunned. He had this dumbfounded, like, what the blank kind of look on his face. Was It was all that I needed to know that he made a mistake. And if you look at it, some people say, well, Hyde's elbow was down. That's great. His elbow was down, but look where the ball was. The ball was right at that spot, maybe even a little further along. So the fact that they moved it back when they're trying to avoid doing that, and it's funny, too, not that I'm conspiracy theory guy, Oakland's a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and all of a sudden they win by three, and Vegas doesn't lose their ass. Yeah. Pardon and, my language. And, you know, the funny part about it is that's, that's exactly why they didn't want people uh, football in, in Vegas, for this reason right here. And it happens to be the, the newly crowned Vegas team gets helped out in some sneaky way. When I looked at the video, I mean, I, I posted it on every social media thing I had. 
I posted the video and I posted the steal pick of Carlos Hyde laying clearly over the line for the first down. How do you overturn that? Like, how do you overturn that? Because I'm looking at the rules and the rule, the rule book says it has to be clear and obvious visual evidence that he didn't get the first down. And to me, the ball was clearly over the line, which, you know, the TV analysis likes to say that that line's not always accurate, but it is. Well, the NFL said that they had two angles that they were looking at that helped them. But were those angles, was that, was that at the same time of each player? Was it conveniently his elbow was down? Like, what two angles are you looking at? Because I thought we were seeing everything that the replay official was seeing exactly. from home for the transparency. If that's the case, I never saw two definitive angles that showed me Hyde was short. And I think the Browns got hosed because if they get that first down, game's you, over. Game's over. You take game's a deal. Over. This team's coming back 2 1 and 1 against the Baltimore Ravens with a chance to potentially have a, a stake in the division lead. You kneel it out after that, that first down. It, that is a definite. That's a definite snatching the victory from the jaw. I mean, yeah, snatching the victory from the jaws of defeat at that point. But I have it. I think I have it backwards. Well, no, that because that's what the that's what the Raiders did. The Raiders did exactly what you said. They snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. At right. That point. And and for me, they got a second chance, an undeserved second chance. And sure, you everybody wants to say, well, defense should have stepped up. Defense shouldn't have had to step up. They they shouldn't even had to go out on the field at that point. And that's that's backbreaker. This is crushing when. You had the clear first down, and you're just hosed at that point. So when they remeasured that the Browns were inches away from a first down. Now, I've read a lot of different articles this week, and I've seen a lot of different stats that on in that situation on fourth down, no matter where you're at on the field, you have more than a 90% chance of getting that first down. Now, my question to you is, would you have, with an eight-point lead on your own 18, fourth and inches, would you have gone for that? You know, what do you have to lose? But you – not a person from what I heard in some of the interviews that I've had. It's not a person of the analytics. In fact, one of the interviews I heard the other day, they asked him about all the two-point conversions he went for, and he kind of scoffed when they asked if it was about analytics. Did he know anything about the Raiders or anything like that? No, he just that's just what he wanted to do based on practice and personnel. So he was not, not a person that looks at the analytics as you have. Right. Where, you know, you have a good chance of getting it. You like what you have with Hyde to be able to just push through, maybe, you know, do a quarterback sneak. You can even sneak, sneak Baker Mayfield. Baker know, Mayfield, all he has to do is jump, exactly. reach out, hold on to the ball. You know, what do you have to lose? So they get the ball back on the 18. They still have to score a touchdown at that point. And, you know, you like to say, we'll kick it, give him a long field. <laughs> we let him score anyway. So right. you're not going to give him a short the... field, get the ball back, and then try to kick the field goal. Exactly. And then you, you – by – by going for it there, and I say yes, you go for it. One, you were averaging six yards a carry. Is that a little bit of that skewed because of Nick Chubb's two long runs? Yeah. I'm willing to give you that. So you average four yards a carry. Big whoop. How would get you those inches and show you that the, this culture on this team is changing? Hugh preached on hard knocks that they were there to build something special, that they were changing the culture. How can you change the culture if you do the same thing that you would do in any situation there? You've got nothing to lose, as you pointed out. I would have gone for it and lived and said, all right, defense, my faith is in you. We are going to go for this. If we get, don't get this first down, you've got 18 yards to hold them back. And that takes a lot out of the, the, the playbook because 18 yards in the end zone isn't a big area to play with. So you're going to have to scale back some of the calls that you're going to make on Oakland's offensive side. And it allows the Browns to kind of dial back and just go back after Carr again and maybe try for another phantom sack that they fumbled that they wouldn't have gotten. Yeah, and it's a, it's a very short field, as you've said. 
it's tough to do that with any team in the red zone. But like I said, what's the worst that could happen? You give up a one-play touchdown, you got the ball right back with three timeouts. Exactly. That's a, that's a lot of time. That's an eternity to march it back down the field, kick a field goal, and walk off with this win. Absolutely. So after one quarter of the season, our Cleveland Browns sit at one, two, and one. Where are you with this? Worse, better, or what you expected? It's weird to say. I think we're better. Um, I don't think it's better than I expected, but I think we're better. You can tell there's a different vibe with our team. I wouldn't say we're totally out of the weeds, but you can tell we're chomping at the bit to be a different team for sure. I would say that um, we're probably a little better than what I expected, but with how they've played, they should be better than where they're at, and a lot of that comes down to coaching. We talked about you know the uh, special teams blunder against the Steelers where they went on the same cadence. That cost you the game. You have your returner not being able to make uh, good decisions, returning the ball, hence field position's terrible. That can cost you a game. That comes down to coaching. I don't care if you have a special teams coordinator. The head coach needs to stick his head in any meeting where a team is struggling and put his stamp and his footprint on, on his team. And the fact that Hugh Jackson continually does not do that shows me that he is not the right man to lead this team going into the future. This team is going to go as far as the players can take it, but a little bit of coaching would really, really help this team along the way. You know, one of the things I was, I was thinking about was that the team is built to win. We can win games, which you have seen that we've almost won a lot of these games, but what the Browns are missing right now is they need to learn how to win games. Yes. And that's where it's just making us good, but not better than expected because we can tell it's not the same old Browns. We're not making the stupid mistakes that we would normally make. It's about execution at this point. And it's about the, the heart and the determination to say, you're not going to take this from me. I felt that in the Jets game. That was the game that was designed to say they had learned to win. Now, looking at the Raiders game, I'm saying, you know, maybe we we put the cart in front of the horse just a little bit. Not too much, but just a little bit. I think we're, we're, we're going to be there. I don't know if it's going to be with you, um, but I, I hope that we, if, if you wants to keep his job, I hope that, that we start to show that we're going to learn to win. And that's two-minute drives, executing. Um making sure that we get the first down rather than leaving it up to the refs and things like that. These little small nooks and things that are causing us games, those are things that you guys haven't learned to win because you, you're not, you haven't been winners in a long time. Right. So we need people in there that understand this is what you got to do to win the game, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to execute. You're not going to just beat us. Agreed. So, you know, after a quarter of the season, we both think the Browns are better than they're going to be. Um, the, the potential's there. The talent is there, um, especially on the offensive side of the football. Now, now that we have an offense that can match the intensity of the defense, and that's something that we haven't had in a while. If we can just get the special teams on board, this team could get scary good. you got 12 games left, and they're capable of winning 8-9, to nine, maybe even 10 of these 12 games, just off the talent that they have. And I think if they work on a few things on defense, you know, Baltimore doesn't have the offensive weapons that, that Oakland had. I really could see uh, the Browns, and we'll talk about this more in a little while here, um, but I'm thinking the Browns are going to win this game this weekend in, in the stadium against the Ravens. Yeah, Joe Flacco's playing really good, though. But I'm I'm looking over the stats of the Ravens. <laughs> it's pretty pedestrian, and they're beatable. I, I don't 
know how they're a three and one team, but I think it's a fake three and one team. They're getting by somehow, some way. So I do think the Browns have enough talent to beat the Ravens. I think they even have enough talent to beat our, our division leaders right now, the Bengals. I think that we have enough talent everywhere to be the champions of this division. We just got to do it. Right. <laughs> just got to execute. Your margin for error is much greater than it was last year, but you have to be willing to maybe take some more chances in other areas except two-point conversions. And that's that's the thing. Baker Mayfield turns over the ball four times, and we they still barely beat us by three points. That's a team that's a good team right. because your margin for error looks to be huge. You know, Tom Brady is the type of person – and the Patriots are the type of people that could turn over the ball that many times and still come out with a win. And the Browns showed we could turn over the ball that many times, but we're still going to compete with you. You know, normally four turnovers in a Browns game, we've already turned off the TV. Yeah. We've already moved on with our Sunday. What's on What's on tonight? You know, yeah, but exactly. Four turnovers this time was <laughs> it's a nail biter. We're going to overtime. And that's against a what I think is an underachieving Ra- Raiders team. They're not terrible, but they're just underachieving right now. Right. So. All right, so once again, guys, ways you can get a hold of us here at the show. You can download that Anchor app and leave us a voicemail. I thought we were going to hear some venom this week, but uh, no messages yet, but that's all right. We know you guys will get on board eventually. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. Jay's got access to Twitter now, the, the at J underscore TK, so he'll be shooting out a lot of stuff uh, going forward. You can also email us, TK and Jay Show at yahoo.com. I also wanted to take a minute to, um, you know, I've met a lot of people on Twitter who host Browns only podcast and other podcasts. And I want to take a minute to give some of these guys some love because I know that they've given us some love. Um, I want to shoot out uh, Paul Brown. Paul Brown is a uh, founder and co-host of the Paul Brown podcast. He's over in the UK and it's the first ever international Cleveland Browns podcast. And he puts on a great show. I had a chance to catch a few segments and I think he does a great job. Also, Browns film breakdown podcast. There's a guy who watches all the games, breaks down Everything you could want to break down about the Browns. I purposely don't listen to him before our shows because I don't want to steal all of his hard work because I know that he works hard on it, but he does a great job uh, with that as well. Uh, Jake Burns does that show. Also, you have Football Kennel. It's uh, hosted by uh, I am Stevie James and Obi Dan Kenobi on Twitter. That's a pretty sweet name. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. At I am Stevie James and Obi Dan K Kenobi. uh, the Kendall Cleveland Football Podcast. They do a great job. I've been trying to listen to as many of these as I can. Not to steal your material, but I want to give you guys shout-outs. Um, also, our special guest for next week's show, Mr. Jack McCurry. He is the co-host of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast and the NC Sportscast. He's also the lead writer and head of the NorthCoastSports.com. So next week he's going to come on with us and break down – uh, Browns Ravens we might even pick his brain a little bit about the tribe to that point because we'll have some postseason games under our belt uh, hopefully that series with the Astros will be over the Indians will have won it and we'll talk more about that later it should be it's a fi- it's only a five game series and and two of those games happen back to back days so I think we'll know the winner by the time our next podcast comes well no that'll be only four days so we, yeah. yeah so there might be a game five if there's a game five we won't know but yeah hopefully there's not a game five and the Indians are on to the championship series. Yep. And you can follow uh, Jack on Twitter at J M C C U R R Y C L E at J M at J M McCurry. Uh, Listen to his podcast the other day, uh, breaking down the Raiders game. And I thought they did a great job on uh, him and his co-host there. Uh, who is his co-host on there? I got it right here. 
Uh, it's Anthony Jokey. So uh, Anthony and, and um, Jack do a great job. So, yeah, we can't wait to have Jack on next week. He's going to come on. He's really pumped up about it. I tried to get him uh, this week. Our schedules just didn't line up, uh, but we've got something set up for next week. So that'll be nice to have um, a fellow podcast uh, friend on with us, giving us their insight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, third head is, is, is something that's going to be good to have, just, to, just to more dimensions to what we think about the football. But we'd love to have a lot more dimensions with y'all's opinion. Let us know what, how we're doing and what you guys think about our opinions. We'll be glad to banter with you as well. Absolutely. So we will be back. We're going to get into some week four recap, and we're also going to preview the Browns and Ravens matchup coming up. All right. We had a lot of high-scoring football games this past weekend in week four. Lots of offense, lots of passing, all the things the league wants to see, Jay. We had a nice game on Thursday night, 38-31 Rams over the Vikings, and I bet Jeff Fisher loves Jared Goff throwing for 465 while he's sitting on his couch doing nothing. Yeah, it was funny because we talked about it and, you know, I talked about the Vikings just weren't there yet. And again, I'm back to just saying that uh, Kirk Cousins is just not going to be your franchise quarterback. He's a great he's a great talent. He's just not there to win you games. And and Thursday was another example of it. But I I have to disagree with that point to a certain extent because he goes 36 of 50 for 422, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, he did have a fumble that he lost, and that was because he had he got a strip sack. But if you throw for 422 and put up 31, that's not on you if your defense gives up 38. Yeah, but you, you still gotta you still gotta win these games. And when you're still at this point under 500 in your career, I don't care how many yards you put up, if you're not winning games, it means nothing. I mean, ask ask Matt Ryan. Fair enough. But Jared Goff, man, Cooper Cup, nine receptions, 162. Brandon Cook, seven for 116. Robert Woods, five for 101. I played all three of those guys on my fantasy DraftKings, man. Thursday night football was very good to the fat guy over here. <laughs> and, and and I'm telling you, the, the, the Rams are are the truth right now. They they have most likely the, the three-headed monster, the most nasty three-headed monster in the league right now besides the uh, the three-headed monster that sits in uh, Atlanta right now. Yeah, speaking of your uh, three-headed monster in Atlanta falling to one and three with a 37-36 heartbreaker to the Bengals, maybe Andy Dalton is as good as we thought he is. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, serviceable quarterback. You know, I'm starting to look at all these stats and and look at all the high numbers that we had this week and, and the quarterback play. And I want to ask you, do, do you think it's because the, the defensive changes that have happened where you can basically not touch anybody on the offense or you get a flag thrown on you? You think that's played a uh, part in basically? Oh, it has to be. Move? You yeah. know, throwing the ball down the football field, receivers making great plays, lots of yardage for touchdowns, for fantasy football, for Vegas. Man, offense is sexy. Defense is like the fat chick that you don't want to admit that you're hanging out with. Yeah, but sometimes you got to get a Beast of the Week award and, um, you know, take one for the team. Jump on those grenades. And, you know, I miss <laughs> – I, I definitely miss – I definitely miss that uh, – Jump that, – I say fat chicks and you say jump on grenades. I'm just saying, you know, so you got to do something for your friends. Oh, but, uh, my. I definitely miss, you know, some of the hard-hitting smash-mouth defenses. I miss the time when you could go over the middle, and if you went over the middle and that ball went high – you might as well consider your career over. I miss those days. Yeah, but why do you want to have, you know, the NFL, I think, has realized that 
as the game has progressed and as athletes' bodies and the way that we look at things have changed, these guys are bigger, faster, and stronger. They don't smoke at halftime. They don't drink at halftime. And they used to do that back in the day. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But I think they realize now that head injuries shorten your life, shorten your career. If you take a guy out and he's one of your top receivers, it hurts your bottom line. It hurts a team's bottom line. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of more offense and less defense. Not just because I'm, I'm a former quarterback. I love slinging the pigskin around. Um, but also, too, you know, safety is the number one thing. You know, was, was roughing the passer a little too far? Yes, I think they got a little better at mm-hmm. that this past week. I don't feel like we saw a lot of roughing the passer. They did call one on, for the Browns with Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. and he got a light little shove, like welcome to the leave rookie. And I'm just like – Greatest, Man, yeah. if that was against David Carr, I would have lost my upper love and mind. But, <laughs> but I'm like, come on, guys. That's the greatest rough in the past I've ever seen. <laughs> right. But in my in my opinion, it's for me, when I'm looking at these numbers and we're protecting the offenses, I, I want more production out of the offense. But at the end of the day, I, I, I feel like we need to do something to help the defenses out because they can't really do nothing against this. I mean, we're going to see these numbers for, for forever until we change – the way the mentality is, is with the defense, especially that you can't touch the passer. It, you know, they're back there slinging it for over 300 yards every single game because there's no pressure. And when pressure gets to them, they could possibly get called for a pass interference. So they're like, whoa, well, let me hold up. Let me stop for a second and think about this because, you know, this could cost my team 15 yards. Well, the league is going to do what they think is best for their overall bottom line, their bottom dollar, and offense is sexy. And if offense sells, like, you know, sex sells, Offense sells tickets, sells merch, moves, moves, moves product. So until that people, someone can come out and convince you that you know defense is the sexy way to go, you're going to see the offense get more and more uh, rules for them. You're going to see defenses be able to do less and less, and that's just the way that the game's going, for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, but as a former quarterback, I'm for it. And and me as a, a, de- a defensive minded person, a defensive back. I, I would prefer that, you know, defenses, uh, you know, get a boost up. But that's just me being a get-off-my-lawn old man at the same point as well, though, too. Right. So Fitzmagic was shut down, to say the least. Before you knew it, Mitchell Trubisky had six touchdown passes, threw for 354. He only completed 19 passes, and six of them went for touchdowns. That Bears defense is legit. They did go to G- the Buccaneers go to Jameis Winston after the half, but he didn't have his, any luck as well. Threw for a touchdown in garbage time. 48 to 10 beatdown, and Fitz Magic is Fitz no more. Yeah, and I'm not excited to see Jameis Winston back, and I'm definitely sad that Ryan Fitzpatrick finally came down to earth for sure. But don't be fooled by the performance that the Bears put on. Uh, their defense is for real. I still think Mitchell Trubisky has some some learning to do, but it's a good sign, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, you had uh, four sacks in this game, and this game was over at halftime. I mean, oh, I was absolutely. following the scores, you know, uh, while I was doing some things, you know, on Sunday. And when you're losing 38-3 to at the half, game over, thanks for coming. Your team gives up, you're done. I mean, you might as well have just thrown your third-string quarterback in at that point because nothing good was coming up throwing Jameis Winston in there. You know, I, what I'm most surprised about this team, though, is how about the emergence of Taylor Gabriel and, and Tyreek Cohen? These guys were looking to be, you know, second and third options behind Allen Robinson. 
my Allen Robinson nowhere to be found right now. No. He had a touchdown catch, but he only had a few catches. I think he had under 60 yards receiving. Thanks for that in DraftKings, by the way. <laughs> um, moving on, Lions make a game of it in the fourth quarter, but fall on the last second field goal to the Cowboys, 26-24. How about them Cowboys? Lions fall to one and three. Cowboys go to a very pedestrian two and two. Um, I still think the Lions finish with a better record than the Cowboys. I just don't think the Cowboys have much of anything outside of Zeke Elliott. Yeah, there's, there's, Zach is just, he was a pretender. I don't know what was going on the first year where Zach and Deke were, uh, wow, I put their names together, where Dak and Zeke were on fire. I think Zeke is one of the best running backs in the league, but he's going to definitely struggle this year, similar to LaShawn McCoy, because he just doesn't, there's just not an offensive threat there. Uh, at all. Dak is not an offensive threat whatsoever. And you can stack the box and that's pretty much it for the Cowboys. Well, Prescott threw for 255. Elliott ran for 152, but he's also the leading receiver. So if you can't get, Cole Beasley had 53 yards receiving, but that's it. There's nobody else for him to throw to. And you can't throw screens all the time. And Zeke's not a guy that you can line up as like a Duke Johnson type in the slot and have him run pass routes. So that's a very, very skewed uh, stat sheet for Dak Prescott. And you got you got decent people like Tavon Austin. Man, where why is he not in your slot? I mean, he's you know predominantly a running back, but uh, he was a beast for for the Rams for quite a while. So I'm not sure why they're not using him as a as a slot threat like a Julian Edelman or something like that, but. You know, Cole Beasley and Michael uh, Gallup, they're just not going to get it done. I, I can see right now uh, Cowboys might have to swallow the pride and give Dez the call. Dez even mentioned on Twitter that if he doesn't, if he's going to play for anybody, he wouldn't mind it being the Cowboys. So, And I don't understand why they don't call him. They're, they're obviously struggling. Dez says he's, he's going to play. I think you guys need to sit down and talk to each other. Say, hey, Dez, we want you back, but you got to clean yourself up, man. We're, we're tired of your attitude. Right. And, you know, if Des wants to get on the field that badly, I think he'll do that. Um, not much to say here. Green Bay, very, very pedestrian, 22-0 win over a very hapless Bills team. Josh Allen throws for 151 and two picks. Uh, Jimmy Graham finally gets in the end zone uh, as a member of the Packers. Um, but basically one touchdown and nothing but field goals. So pretty boring game, but the Packers go to 2-1-1 on the season, 2-0-1 at Lambeau. I appreciate that if we're going to get one touchdown in this game, receiving wise i appreciated that it was to jimmy graham because he's on my team oh must be nice titans come back and my goodness in overtime beat the defending champions 26 23 marcus Mariota has a very gutsy performance and i think mike Vrabel really i i'd run through a wall for this guy right now what he said to Mariota is kind of you know makes me feel like how josh mccown felt after he got hurt playing for the browns just wanting to be there with his guys Vrabel just walked up to Mariota and says, I can't wait to watch you play today. What a thing to say to your franchise quarterback who's struggling with injuries, struggling to get the ball down the field. I can't wait to watch you play today. What a thing to the say. The Titans are surprise, a surprise 3-1 for me. And from the first when they first came out, I just I just couldn't think that Marcus Mariota could be a legit franchise quarterback. He might be he might make me eat my words this year. If they continue to do what they're doing right now. And Mike Vrabel uh, continues to be the cheerleader of this uh, franchise. I think they could do a lot of things. I necessarily was surprised by this win. I really was. Uh, I felt that the Philadelphia Eagles would would cruise. I don't think they would have, you know, covered the spread, but I thought they would at least cruise. 
in this game, and that didn't happen. Gutsy performance by Mariota for sure. 30 of 43 for 344, two touchdowns on a pick. Uh, Corey Davis, nine reception for 161. Monster day for that team uh, in Tennessee. But uh, Tennessee 3-1, and one, Eagles 2-2, two and two. once throws for 348, they're going to be fine. Uh, they just didn't do enough late in the game to win that game. They actually had a lead late in the game and couldn't hold it. Um, so I'm not going to – that loss is not once. No turnovers for the Eagles. Uh, they did everything they needed to do. Um, just the Tennessee seemed to have a couple things go their way, and they're 3-1 and one now. Moving on to the next game that we saw this past weekend, Texans get off the schneid, 37-34 over the Colts in an overtime thriller. Watson, another 375 in the air. Andrew Luck went for 464. It feels like everybody threw for three or 400 yards. I'm telling you, it's because of the defensive rules. DeAndre Hopkins, 10 receptions for 169. I can't even say this guy's name. Uh, not Will Fuller. Oh, that's Kiki Kuti. Kiki Kuti, 11 for 109 in his NFL debut. 15 targets in his NFL debut. Holy smokes to Sean Watson. So I, I had a gentleman who picked him in our fantasy league. He had to write this guy in. And, man, did he get a lot of laughs. Well, he's laughing at us now. You guys got a PPR league? Yes, we are. And oh. he, man, Kiki Kuti, he put up 24 points. Thankfully, it wasn't on me because I was definitely the loudest laugher at the, at the draft when this, this write-in went up there. I, I have to give the man credit for, for drafting him because I didn't even know who this guy was until he was written up on the board. I looked him up, and I said, I don't even understand why you would think to do it, but here we are, 24 points. Yeah, Andrew Luck seems to be back to form. He threw 62 times in that shoulder for 464, uh, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he did lose a fumble in the game as well, uh, but 34 points uh, up for the Colts. Colts are a very entertaining one and three football team, but like we said, both of these teams I don't think have enough to do anything this season. Yeah, and, and in, in my honest opinion – I, I don't know if 464 is the truth right now. I really just don't understand what is going on, why everybody's racking up so much yards. But what I am realizing going through most of these games is that the rushing yardage is really suffering. A lot of passing, a lot of passing. Andrew Luck had to throw 62 passes to get 464. That's a lot. Yeah, and That's a lot of throwing on your arm, especially your, your, your surgically repaired arm. That's crazy to me. And – and I'm looking at all these. You, you, the top rusher for the Colts had 16 yards. That's that's it's awful. I, no, just, they, I they, haven't seen anything like this before. They didn't have a really good running back with Peyton Manning, and they really haven't had a good one with Andrew Luck. I think Jim Mercy needs to figure out, as the owner up there, how to get his franchise quarterback some decent running game. A decent running game. Absolutely. Patriots 38-7 win over the Dolphins. Adam Gase says he didn't see this coming. A lot of us kind of did. Figured that the hoodie and Tom Brady would figure it out. Uh, Patriots two and two. All of a sudden, only one game out. Dolphins three and one. Uh, Dolphins looked bad. Bill Belichick sacked up, got a win. Defense looked much better than it did the week before against the Lions. Um, not much to say in that game, but just do domination. I would say welcome to the league, Sony Michelle. Though the uh, other part of the two-headed monster from UGA. Uh, that's really nice that the UGA, both UGA former running backs, got a touchdown. And over 100 yards on the same day. That's that's awesome. That's a huge thing for Georgia because they could definitely produce them running backs. Jaguars beat the Jets big, 31-12. to um, Darnold back down to earth. Very, very pedestrian game for the young quarterback. 50% uh, completion percentage, 167 with one garbage time touchdown. Uh, only 34 yards rushing. So, once again, the Jets are held to under 200 yards of offense. 
Um, you know, Jets are one and three. That I think that game against the Lions was fluke. I think the Lions are kicking themselves for getting dominated in the first game of the season. Um, well, Blake Bortles in Jacksonville definitely had a bounce back game after that clunker the week before against Tennessee. He goes for 388 and two touchdowns. Uh, Jaguars are the real deal in the AFC. I think they're one of the teams to beat. Uh, yeah, and th- I don't know if they're the they're right now. They are the team to beat in the AFC North, or it is AFC North. No, it's AFC what, East, a- but AFC I South. AFC South. Are they? I yeah. thought they were in the same division as the Patriots. Nope, they're AFC South. Great, perfect. Then we don't have to worry about it because I was going to say that they were in the, that the Patriots were still the the people the team to beat in that league. But uh, uh, yeah, they are the team to beat in their division. I apologize, y'all. Um, my question is, is it time to finally believe in Blake Bortles? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a Blake Bortles believer because he's done it consistently over two seasons now. So I am definitely willing to give Blake Bortles the, the benefit of the doubt. Uh, moving on to the Seahawks and Cardinals. We all knew the Seahawks were going to win that game. Seahawks are very pedestrian, 2-2. Two and two. Cardinals are 0-4. for four. Very, very tough game for Josh Rosen. 15 to 27 for 180. He did have a touchdown. Um, he didn't. He didn't have any um, any uh, turnovers, which is good. Um, but 180 yards. David Johnson three catches, 41 yards. Larry Fitzgerald three for 28. Um, David Johnson 22 carries, 71 yards. They they just don't have the horses to compete this year. There's a good reason why they're 0 and 4. Um, Russell Wilson's a terrible fantasy pick right now. If you have Russell Wilson on your team, I would suggest you don't release him because eventually he'll put up a couple of big games for points, but right now he's not doing you anything. Um, they, Seattle ran for 171, rushed for 172, um, 20 to 17 game. Um, but I think it wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. If you have Russell Wilson, you basically you, you use him like a relief pitcher. You just play the matchups. This is probably a good week to do it. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals are, are essentially what – the Browns have been for for quite a while. Uh, they could be staring down a barrel of an, uh, a no win season as well. Uh, they don't have the horses as as TK mentioned. Uh, every you don't you don't really know who's going to step up, and you have a rookie quarterback in there trying to save a franchise. I just don't see them catching a win. Looking at their schedule at this point, uh, it, it's going to be tough. It, it's going to be a tough season for them. Moving on to the Saints and the Giants. Uh, Giants didn't really do much on offense all day. Uh, but their defense held Drew Brees to 217 yards passing. But Alvin Kamara, thank you, Alvin, picked you in DraftKings. Three touchdowns in the second half. It was the Alvin Kamara show. Saints win convincingly over the Giants, 33 to 18. Yeah, the only reason why they they take this one is is basically what you said, Alvin Kamara. He he dominated. It, it was a great performance. My question is is this is Week Five. Mark Ingram's returning. What are we gonna do with him? Sean Payton said they're going to find a way to, to bring him in, and, that, and that's good because Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are both weapons that can be used. If you split the touches between them and elongates their career and elongates the way that they can help your team win down the road. Uh, so him coming back is going to be a welcome addition to that same team. It just adds another dynamic to that already explosive offense. Right. And so you got the Chargers coming back to beat the 49ers 29-27. Pretty good game. C.J. Uh, beat hard 23-37 for 298. Two touchdowns, two picks. I think he's a very serviceable quarterback for the rest of the season while Garoppolo's down. He's got the weapons to put up some numbers. Uh, 298 yards is nothing to, to slide your hat at. Phillip Rivers, pedestrian 250 for him, but he did throw three touchdown passes, found three different receivers, even Antonio Gates, who, of course, I sat in fantasy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, 
it's not a, it's, you know, that's not a bad sit, you know, because he's not going to be a week in, week out performer. No, you can't really depend on Antonio Gates to be your starter. He's going to be your handcuff. He's got to, he's got to sit the bench. If he comes up on 29 points for you, you just got to shake your head at that point. Congratulations, Antonio Gates. I mean, you're, you're, you're withstanding the test of time, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault you for, for putting him on the bench at all. So before we talk about uh, Raven Steelers Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes throwing balls with his left hand on Monday Night Football. Chiefs come back in two late touchdowns to stun the Broncos at mile high, 27-23. Oh, man. So, I, you know, I don't like to hate on anybody else on the media, as that's that's what we do. But, uh, whew, man, when Patrick Mahomes made the left-handed throw, everybody in America saw this thing happen, and the two men in the booth had no idea that it happened. The, 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 the absolute – I mean, I my hand, my hand, my jaw was dropped because I saw this. I was like, "Man, this kid is the truth." Next, thing you know, they're watching the replay and they, oh, he threw it with his left hand. I was like, "I had to see the replay." I'm like, "Did he throw that with his left hand?" You know, I'm like, asleep watching the game. It's late. I'm like sitting there thinking, "You guys are at the game. You didn't see this." I'm sitting there going, "Like, I saw it. What's going on? What are you guys doing?" This is like, you know. But Patrick Mahomes, he's. He's awesome. I, I'm really believing in him more and more. I, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have a good run, definitely deeper to the playoffs. So, so far this season, Patrick Mahomes, 1,200 yards passing through four games, 14 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. When your quarterback goes for 14 and no t- and no picks, you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. And we got you've got one heck of a game coming up this weekend, 3-1 Jacksonville at 4-0 Kansas City. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, – I think right there, this is going to be the power pitcher versus the power hitter scenario. I think with the, the defense going up to Patrick Mahomes, that he's going to be tested very much so. But I think he's up to the test. I thought the Broncos have a stellar defense. So Patrick Mahomes looked him right in the eye and threw it with his left hand and, and, and did it fine. So let's go. So moving on to the Sunday night football game, the Ravens jumped out to a quick 14-0 start. It's tough to win, Jay, when you spot teams 14-0 in the NFL, start a game. Yeah, what's going on with the, the Steelers right now? I, it just it's it might be that, you know, Mike Tomlin has really lost the locker room. But you know what? Maybe we would love him as a replacement for Hugh Jackson at this point because I, I think there's something going on with the Steelers that – just can't be repaired right now. There's so much turmoil with their stars. They're just not on the same page. Ben is old. We're, we're just not clicking right now. And 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 we? You just said we are not clicking. You, you're a Steelers fan? Now? I am not a Steelers fan, but that's that's what I was thinking. Oh, I was thinking okay. in my all head. Right, all right, all right. You missed it for a minute. There. Yeah, I was thinking in my head as as a player, you know, it's just not clicking right now. I'm looking at James Conner, and he had a great, he had a great start. For me, I was like, oh, man, this guy might be a replacement for Le'Veon Bell. It hasn't been good. They need Le'Veon Bell back. Right? They really do. 19 yards rushing, only 274 from Ben through the air. Antonio Brown doesn't even get 70 yards receiving. Yeah, he gets in the end zone, but five receptions for 62 yards for the best receiver in the league. Just not going to get it done. They only score 14 second-quarter points. Baltimore wins 26-14 in a game where if they didn't have to kick so many field goals, probably could have been 42-14. Man, and if in watching the game, A.B. didn't have – I don't think he had his second catch until the second half. No. And that's ridiculous. Like, you go around the league and think about all the good receivers, Beckham, Julio Jones, guys like that. I, I'm 
I would be surprised if they didn't have a catch until the second half. And right now, I, I just don't understand what's going on in, in Pittsburgh where one of your best players, the last probably the last best player you have on your offense, is 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 only getting catches in the second half, especially almost Derek and garbage time. Right. So that brings us to our Browns Ravens uh, preview for this upcoming week. Uh, you have a, a very confident three and one Ravens team coming in. Give up less than three hundred yards to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Flacco's throwing the ball very well, especially with the emergence of Lamar Jackson uh, coming uh, in. Uh, he's something else you have to think about because not only can he run the ball, he could throw the ball if you needed him to. Uh, they have a nice rushing attack with Collins and Allen. Um, John Brown seems to have resurrected his career. Uh, he's still got that speed, that breakaway speed. Uh, Willie Sneed is a very serviceable wide receiver. Crabtree, you got Crabtree on this team. There, he's got some toys that he can play with. So this isn't going to be a walk for the park for the Browns here in Cleveland this week. Um, but the that pass defense really needs to improve this week, Shay, if the Browns are going to have any chance to compete. Yeah, and I'm also worried about uh, Terrell Suggs, him roaming around the uh, field. Uh, he's going to be a tough, tough matchup for Baker Mayfield and the running backs because he can he can cover and he can get in the backfield. So we're going to have to really watch out for Terrell Suggs and his impact on the game. I think if you limit his tackles and his impact on the game, I think you do a lot on offense. And I can see it being done. Uh, again, as I had mentioned before, the Ravens are a very beatable team. They, they're winning by playing conservative football. They're not blowing anybody out. They're not, the stats aren't blowing anybody out. So I think that the, the, you know, the Cleveland Browns can do a lot against them. It's just limiting the big plays. You also have to watch out for Eric Weddle in the secondary. He's a coach on the field uh, is what uh, John Harbaugh said. Uh, John, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jim, it's John. Jim, Jim is in Michigan. Yep. Yep. So you have Eric Weddle, you have Terrell Suggs. This is going to be a very big test for our, our Browns team. I think after this week, we're going to kind of see exactly where we're at and where we might be going. Because um, if you can find out a way to pull out a win against a very good but beatable Ravens team that puts you at 2-2-1 two, two and one going into the game against the Chargers, and the Chargers are a very beatable team as well, especially since they're going to be traveling across the coast to come to Cleveland. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting game this weekend. And the Ravens are only – what I've seen a three point favorite in this game. So to me, that's a flip of a coin. That's a pick them right there. That's either team can, can win this game. And so right now is, this is one that we need to take where I was talking about the Browns need to learn. They need to take this and run with it and show that we're a contender in this division right now. Cause right now I don't feel that we are the third, the third team in this league. I think that we are the best team right now. And it's weird to say because of the record, but I, I think that we can compete with the Bengals and the Ravens. And right now, Pittsburgh is the dumpster fire right now. So right now, I I think we could could have been the best team and should be the best team at this point. Baker's got to limit his turnovers. You can't have four turnovers against this defense because this defense can punish you more than that Raiders defense could. Um, got to get Nick Chubb involved. Got to get Carlos Hyde going. Carlos Hyde seems to get better as the mm-hmm. game goes. Stop dropping the football Guys, Jarvis, Antonio, David Njoku, your rookie quarterback is depending on you guys to step up and have big games and catch the football when he delivers it to you. It's his job to put it in a a spot for you to go make a play. Go make a play. Make a catch. Help this kid. Put him on your back. Don't make him put you on his back. That's not his job. Your job is to, to pick him up. 
So do that. Also, too, really got to cover John Brown, got to cover Willie Sneed, and got to limit that. Watch Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson will kill you if you take your eye off him for just a moment. He is quick. He is elusive. And he's a weapon. I don't care if he's been very pedestrian with the stats. He's a weapon like Nick Chubb that can break loose in an instant and cost you some big points early in a game. One thing we do want to watch out for, and there's not much tape on him, Hayden Hurst is thinking about making his start. He's going to come back from injury. So he's thinking he's going to make a start against the Browns. We're going to have to watch out for him. He was a pretty good talent at South Carolina, actually a multi-sport talent. He actually got drafted to the MLB, but uh, uh, decided not to go, decided to play tight end for South Carolina. I don't know who wants to go play be a Gamecock, but this guy did. And he ended up having a decent career as a tight end and looks to be trouble when he comes to the NFL. Right. Um, and the Browns have had trouble with tight ends, as we saw with Jared Cook. Jared Cook ate them alive, and that seems to be a problem for the Browns in past seasons, especially with Greg Williams here. He hasn't been able to find a way to stop tight ends. Tight ends have huge games against this team. You've got to limit the tight end hurting. You keep him in as a run blocker, but don't let them go out and beat you uh, pass-wise. And I think with Christian Kirksey having another game under his belt coming back from his injury, I think that he'll be able to handle anything that's thrown his way this week. Absolutely. So my prediction for this game is going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a struggle bus at times. Um, I don't see either team scoring more than 23 points. Quite honestly, I see the Browns winning this game 21-17. Yeah, my, I, I'm unfortunately going to think that the way with the way Joe Flacco has been playing and the way that the Ravens' defense has been playing, if, if they limit us offensively, it's going to be a tough road. Um, I, I do think that they cover – and and beat us 23-20. Okay. That sucks. But that's all right. <laughs> um, so that's uh, your Browns preview. What do you guys think? Uh, what do you think about the Raiders game? Don't forget to shoot us out on the Anchor app. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, go to that Anchor app and search TK underscore J. Hit us up on Twitter at J, J-A-E underscore TK. Email us, Show at yahoo.com. And don't forget about our special guest next week, Jack McCurry, co-host of the 1085 Gridiron and NC Sports Podcast. Looking forward to talking sports with him next week. So as everybody knows, we record on Wednesdays. Tonight is the AL wildcard game, uh, the Yankees versus the A's at Yankee Stadium. Uh, before we get into breaking down the division series, my man, who you got in the AL wildcard, Yankees or A's? I really have to go with the New York Yankees. I I was looking at the stats last night, and they're pretty much top ten, if if not top five in every every stat category. So I, I, they got a lot of firepower. I think I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with the hottest team in baseball right now. I'm going to go with the Oakland A's. Um, as I have in my notes here for later on, they got a bunch of those. Who the heck are these guys? They really do. Type uh, of guys on their team, but they've come together and they're playing the ultimate team sport and the ultimate team kind of way. Yeah, uh, but I was looking at them too, and, you know, I, I'm going to agree with you that hot teams coming into playoffs, we've seen it time after time. We talk about St. Louis, who barely got in there. We're talking about um, teams like Kansas City, who barely got in there and ended up eventually either if not getting to the world series ended up winning the world series you have a good point when it comes to hot teams i'm just playing the analytics at this point i'm looking at it and and oakland really got hot late but they're just not great on on any facet or anything like that so maybe that could be their 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 plus that they do 
everything good and rather than doing a lot of things extremely well. But the Yankees just just got a lot of firepower, man. Just yeah. a lot. And Oakland piece part of together that starting rotation. I mean, Edwin Jackson re- resurrected his career this year. And he's the only starter that's on the, the wild card roster this tonight. Man, I just can't talk. But yeah, Edwin Jackson is the only starter that's on this wild card roster. They're basically taking a Tampa Bay Rays approach at things, and basically they're going to throw their best relievers out there, push them as long as they can, play the odds, and see what happens. Hopefully, they can score early and hang on to a lead. Yeah, there's no time right now with the wild card in a wild card game to really save anything because if you if you save everything and you play conservative and we're going to play for the next round. You may not make it to the next round. So you got to throw all your guns out there right now and see if you get to play on Friday yeah, pretty much. Very true. So I want to move into the uh, National League Division Series matchups. Um, Colorado at Milwaukee to start. Um, how well will the Rockies play after their emotional win over the Cubs in the, in the wild card game? And shout out to Cub fans. Enjoy your offseason, dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a little bitter over 2016. So for me, <laughs> it's weird because the last game when we picked the AL wild card, I went with you know the Yankees, who are the the, the perennial powerhouse. But I, I think I'm going with the hot team there. I mean, Christian Yelich is going to be he's going to be a lot to handle uh, for for the Colorado Rockies. And and last night you saw that the hot bats in in the, the Cubs lineup were you know, all over the place, all over the Rockies. So I feel like Christian Yelich and that Milwaukee Brewers lineup is is going to be too much for, for the Colorado Rockies rotation. I really do. Yeah, but, you know, Milwaukee, Colorado's got some offensive power too. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned Christian Yelich. He was 36 homers, 110 RBIs. Former Indian Jesus Aguilar, 35 and 108. Shout and out. Travis Shaw, 32 home runs, 86 RBIs. Um and Jay, one of these teams, surprisingly, incredibly, will go to the league championship series. I'm not sure how pumped up the commissioner's office is about one of those teams playing in the league championships. Yeah, but they can stuff it. I, I, this is the one thing I like about baseball more than any other sport: parity. What it, from year to year, it's always somebody different. When we got the Kansas City Royals. They're in our division, but I'll tell you what, did I not I wanted the Kansas City Royals. I was Royals happy for them. I, exactly. Yeah. Because for our lifetime, the Kansas City Royals have been pissed poor ever since George Brett left. Yep. So for me, I was like, oh my gosh, the Royals are gonna win the World Series. That's amazing. And then unfortunately against us, you know, the Cubs won it. I, I wish they didn't. I wish we'd have got it, but again, parody. You know, Cubs haven't done it in a hundred years. We get to see this type of stuff. This is why I love baseball, um, for sure. So the Milwaukee Brewers or the Colorado Rockies getting to to the World Series, I I wouldn't scoff at this at all, not at all. We not you and I. I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to parity. But commissioner's office, Fox, they're not going to like one of those two teams in the LCS because Fox has the, league, the National League this year. But you know what? Suck it, Joe Buck. No Kyle Schrober for you this year. Yeah, and Joe Joe Buck will find some type of story to to latch on to and say the the man's name 150 times. Please don't be Kristen Yelich because I, I like the kid. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> I, don't ruin him. For I don't us. want I don't want to have to hate him because Joe Buck has to say his not his name mandatory three to four times a, a game for me to understand who this guy is. You know, right? So I was looking at Milwaukee's pitching stats and something that jumped out at me. I couldn't believe it, and I don't even know if you noticed this, and I can't say his name, um, so I apologize if I uh, butcher it. 
I'm just going to say Yohulis Chasin, 15-8 with a 3.50 ERA. He was the only Milwaukee starter all season to have over 10 wins. Over 10 no wins. one else had more over than 10, 10 wins. wins. And they won uh, 96 games. Won 96 games. And uh, That's astounding. Jolie Chasin. Thank you. I, I have no idea how to say it. Jolie Chassin, he was he was amazing. He he was a good he he held them together. But I, I the, the what what's good about Milwaukee, a lot of people didn't see is that they're they're late in games. So they would either go into the seventh inning tied, or they would go in down, and they would they they had the most games in the major leagues from coming back from that. You know, tied going into the seventh or down going into the seventh, they would come back and win these games. I, I'm telling you that that. That lineup is nasty. It, it really is. And that's why I feel like it's going to give people fits. I, I really do think it's going to give Colorado fits. I think it's going to give the Braves fits. If they make it, it's going to give the Dodgers fits when they get to them because they are a really decent hitting team. I see Milwaukee as a better team in this series. And my biggest note, the team that does not have Brian Shaw who will win this series, <laughs> I have Milwaukee in four. <laughs> Right. I, feel, I feel bad for Brian Shaw because he not – as a pitcher, being sent to Milwaukee is being sent to Alcatraz. It's it's a punishment because it's it's definitely a hitter's park for sure. No, you mean Colorado. I, that, I and he, he took the money. He went to Colorado. You know, shame on him. Yeah, and he was – he was. It's, it's still going to Alcatraz there in Mile High, the Colorado Rockies. I had Milwaukee on the brain because I'm so for that team. But, uh, you know, going there is 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 a bad move. I mean, there's no way you're going to be a good pitcher there. And Brian Shaw was already suspect as it was. So to go to that park, I, I – Their manager reached out to, to Tito earlier in the year, and this is true, and they basically said, what would you do when Brian would struggle? And Tito said, just keep throwing him out there and let him work it out. You can't keep throwing that guy out there in course field with a flat fastball. It's not going to work for you. I, I think Tito was trolling at that point. <laughs> I hope I, not. Tito seems like a pretty good guy. Nah, I think Tito probably was like, yeah, go ahead. Especially we're coming in next week. Keep him out there. Yeah. Make sure he's out there he, when the bats come in. He, he can start if you don't mind. Start him all three games. <laughs> so I kind of gave my thoughts on this matchup. Jay, what are some things that you're uh, looking at going into this this series? I, I'm looking at the the basically the earn run, and I know it's skewed. I'm looking at the pitching stats, most of them, and this is what I do for most of them. I kind of put them all together and averaged basically what they did all season. I had a little formula to it. And I'm looking at the Milwaukee Brewers. They were pretty much in the top 10, if not top 15, of everything in all of Major League Baseball, and especially their ERA. They, they were top five uh, as far as strikeouts. for their, they, they were in the top 10. And earn run average, they were in top six. But when it comes to them scoring, they were in the top 12. So for me, I feel like with with Milwaukee and their bats and their pitching the way it is, I think they've had the better combination to take down the Rockies. I, I think they get it done in four as well. Excellent. Uh, moving on to the other uh, NL Division series, you've got, I think, the sweethearts of the of the National League this year. The Braves came out of oh, nowhere absolutely. to win that division. The baby Braves? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Versus the, vet- the veteran Los Angeles Dodgers, um, Atlanta – Good power in that lineup. They got nine nine guys with 10-plus home runs. That's a lot of versatility. You got Freddie Freeman leading the way with a 309 average, 23 bombs, 98 RBIs. Nick Markakis, I used to make fun of that guy when he used to play against the Indians. 297, 14 homers, 93 RBIs. Um, Ronald, how do you say this is his last name? Acuna. Acuna. I can't get it out unless somebody says it to me. 293, 26 homers, 64 RBIs, rookie sensation. Um 
this is a good baseball team, and they they came out of nowhere, and they they really took control of that division after the Phillies collapsed. Not many people know that this was supposed to be their second rebuilding year. Um, Acuna, um, Freddie, all these guys. There's a lot of a lot of young guys on this team. You know, Camargo. These are all guys that they pulled up um, out of their farm system that they were just going to let them play because this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. We'll come back to it next year. We just want to get these young guys some power, uh, I mean, some playing time. But it turned out that Acuna was the real deal. It turned out that Albies was the real deal. It turned out that uh, Camargo ended up being the real deal. And then with, 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 you know, Freddie Freeman, who is always consistently one of the best players in Major League Baseball, with that, those four, they really led the Braves to where they're at right now and ended up being the surprise of all baseball this year. Dodgers, they seem to be win by committee all year, moving to that, to that uh, dugout over there. Uh, Rich Hill's the only pitcher with over 10 wins. Clayton Kershaw battled injuries, only 26 starts, 9-5 and five with a 2.73 ERA. But they also had, I mean, you can only, you can only bat 9, Jay, but they had 10 guys with 10 or more bombs. Yeah, solid lineup all the way around for that team. They paid good money for what they got, so I, I hope they, you know, they get a, you know, a good return out of them. For me, it's it's World Series win or bust, especially after the the unimpressive performance they had last year against the Astros. Uh, it is World Series or bust, but they're going against the Braves, and I, it's going to be a tough, tough road already to start. I think in the end, you have the Dodgers. I think they're a slightly better team only because they got the veteran uh, savvy. I think they've got the better starting staff, especially with guys like Clayton Kershaw that are going to be going for you. I think Atlanta is going to give them everything they have, but I see the Dodgers winning this game in a very hard-fought five-game series. You know, it, this one is tough for me. It really is. It, it was tough for me to think about. I sat down and mauled it over. Do I go with the fun, exciting baby Braves? Because that's what they are. They're fun, exciting, and they, they have fun playing baseball. Acuna and Albies – are what Cleveland has in uh, Ramirez and um, and Lindor. They they are that, and they're hot. But I think I got to go with UTK in five games. I, I really feel that the veteran prowess of the Dodgers will take over, and it's just not the year right now for the Braves. I, I do see that Braves though, though being contenders for for the next five to six years though. Absolutely. They've got the core that they need. They got the young players in place. I just think they need another arm or two, even in the bullpen to help them out. But the Braves are going to be a force to be reckoned with in that division. I think uh, Carlos Santana might've picked the wrong team to go to. (laughs) Absolutely. Moving on to the ALDS matchup. Let's start with the one we know is happening for sure, which has a little bit of a local tie uh, for us here. Got the Cleveland Indians versus the Houston Astros. Uh, today, Terry Francona announced his 11 pitchers. Got Kluber, Carrasco, Clev, Bauer, Bieber, Allen, Miller, Hand, Perez, Simber, and Otero. He went with 11. I thought he would go with 11 as well. Um, no Josh Tomlin. Uh, were you surprised by that? Move? Not at all. Not even a bit. I think we talked about it. He thought There's maybe they might have him on there for veteran presence, but I think the season stats speak for themselves. There's not much. There's not much more to say about that either. We all know. Josh Tomlin is a liability, but you know maybe he would have been there for that for that veteran prowess. But uh, you want to win games, so you don't even want to have to go to Josh Tomlin in, in in a in a situation like you had last night against the Cubs in the Rockies, where you almost depleted your bullpen. You don't want to have Josh Tomlin being that last man there, and it's tied going into thirteenth inning, and we got to be like, well, we got to trot Josh Tomlin out there, and all of a sudden it's just like, well, 
There goes that game. Yeah, so. exactly. It's almost like having to trot Mike or Martinez out as your last hope in game seven. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, wait, that happened. I'm sorry. Um, I kind of hope that you only see Simber and Otero only be in spots where um, the game is – there's not it's not a high-leverage situation. We're either up big or we're down big. Um, Simber kind of struggled to, to close out the season. Otero had a very up-and-down year, more down than up. Um, but I really like the, the other nine that he could throw any one of those guys in at any time of the game. And I'd be content with it. Um, last spot. They're still trying to figure it out. Tito hasn't made up his mind yet. Gonzalez or Rajay Davis. I'm Rajay Davis 100%. And it's the same reason why Kipnis is playing center field over Greg Allen. It's because of potential. We've got a veteran who's been there before many times before. Eric Gonzalez is going to have many times to be there. So right now, let's go ahead and ride ride the hot horse and Rajay Davis and uh, have him in there. I know Eric Gonzalez is a utility guy. He's your only true backup to Francisco Lindor. But if, God forbid, something happens to Francisco Lindor and you've got to take him off the roster, yeah, he's done for the postseason. But if that would be that he's done and he's not playing, then, yeah, you can always just bring Eric Gonzalez up um, and take somebody off if you needed to. Um, but I would agree with you. I'm a Rajay Davis guy. Maybe it's game seven, but the world is Chapman um, hitting that home run. That's always a memory I'll have. Uh, but Rajay is our veteran. He can steal bases. If Edwin gets on in the bottom of the ninth, he gets a double, and we need a run, you can take Edwin out. You can put Rajay in, and instantly you've got a guy that can steal third. He can score on a shallow base set to right field or even center field or even left field, anywhere in the outfield. Um and, and speed and base running can win or lose you a game in the playoffs. Um, I think Rajay Davis is the, is the best way to go. Absolutely. Um, and Rajay Davis hitting that home run may have been a surprise and exciting for all of us, but Rajay Div- Davis did some things that veterans do. He choked up on the bat with two strikes, and he knew that he had to make contact, and that's all he was trying to do. He literally said, fundamentally, I was 0-2. I did what I was taught to do. I choked up on the bat and I tried to make contact and that contact ended up being a home run. That for me is a veteran comment. That means you need to be playing in the postseason with us right, right. now. Uh, Houston's stacked lineup for the tribe to go through 10 players with 10 home runs. I hit two five as a team. Um, I think their one through nine is slightly better than our one through nine. It's not by much, but I just think average wise and the talent that they have Altuve, Guriel, Bregman, Springer, um, the key to this series, whoever pitches better in this series is going to win the series. Um, I give the Indians a better, uh, a slight edge in the rotation and in the bullpen. Um, if you look at the matchups, game one through three, Clover versus Verlander. Verlander was untouchable the first half of the year, kind of came back down to earth in the second half of the year as ERA rose by a full run, run and a half. Uh, Carrasco versus Garrett Cole, uh, that's a toss, but I think Carrasco has the, you know, has just as much experience as Cole does. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, for whatever reason, isn't the pitcher he used to be. I, I like my chances with Clevenger because uh, then you give him a quick hook and go to Bieber or even Bauer. Um, game four, if Bauer's healthy, he, there's no way that their four starters better than Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I think we get the nod where it comes to the four starter for sure. Uh, when I was looking at the the analytics last night and, and going trying to make a decision on this one, it's actually reversed for me. Uh, we, I think we have the better lineup, uh, to, to be honest. I think we have seven good hitters on our team. I think the only tip people you got to contend with when it comes to the Astros is you got to contend with Springer, you got to contend with Altuve, and you got to contend with Correa. Other than that, the the other batters are are beatable for sure. I, I think Reddick's beatable. I think uh, their catcher uh, Brian McCann is beatable. I think. Uh, 
also Blanco, what's his name? Uh, their DH hitter. Ah, man, I cannot remember that guy's name. He's just like Brian McCann, but uh, I'll, co- I'll come back to him. But I think a lot of their batters are beatable for sure. Um, so right now, I, I was looking at it. We, we're, we're in the top five of most of the stats. In runs, we were top three. In home runs, we were top, top six. In average, we were, we were the second best average-wise hitting team. Our on-base percentage was six. As opposed to the Houston Astros, they were behind us in all those stats. So I think at the end of the day, our bats are, are better. But we're in trouble as far as it comes to pitching rotation, in my opinion. They topped in pretty much every single category as far as pitching went. And that that's crazy to me. Um, they were number one in ERA, number one in strikeouts, and number one in earned runs. It's it's going to be tough. That's, that's going to be tough to beat that. I think we had the firepower to do it. But what I've known in the playoffs – Pitching seems to dominate when it comes to the playoff baseball. So if if we can't hit, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but I think the I think you're going to end up stealing game one only because the Indians have seen Verlander so much. I don't you care know, how good he's been. I agree with that though. I think you know you know, and if you win game one, even if you lose game two, you're coming home with the split. And ultimately, if you start the postseason on the road, you're ultimately. Would you love to be up two zero? Absolutely. But if you come home one one. You've done your job. You don't want to come back 0-2. That's a tough hole to be in. It doesn't happen often. Yeah, we got snake bit by it last year. Um, but I think if the Indians come home 1-1, there's no reason why they can't close this thing out in progressive and, field. And in my opinion, it, the playoffs for any sport never really start until the away team wins a game. And that's why home field advantage is so big because you cannot have to win on the road and still win the series. I think that if Houston does go down – like you said in game one, I think the series is over right then and there. And and I will I will go on concrete. You can at me later. But for me, if if you go you come to progressive field down uh well or tied or down 0-2, you're not going back to Houston. That's, no way. That's, if they come back down 0-2, there's no way the Indians drop two games here. I, I don't I, I think if they come in tied, I don't think you go we go back to Houston at all either. And and the reason why is because we've been here before. We want that, and we're not going to let you come on our field anymore and take things from us like the Cubs did. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Agreed. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention, though, is Jose Ramirez's slump something we need to be concerned about because his average dipped to 270 at the end of the season. Yeah, it's it's still concerning. I, I Lindor and Jose Ramirez have disappeared the last two years. They've you know Lindor had a one flash of greatness last year against the the, the you know the Yankees where. Um, it was a bad call by uh, Joe Girardi not to uh, to walk him, in a sense. And next thing you know, you you have Lindor unloading the bases at that point with a, uh, a clutch home run to get us that first win, which we never recovered after that. We ended up eliminated. But that's because Lindor and Jose just disappeared, and they've done it the last two, two postseasons. So I am worried about Jose Ramirez uh, not – hitting as well as he did to start the season because we need you. We need you now. We didn't need you at the beginning of the season. Right. And you don't have to worry about hitting home runs. Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. It's great that they hit 39 and 38 home runs respectively. Uh, But they're a team where I don't, you know, like I said, they could be doubles guys. You've got the horses behind. You've got the Brantleys of the world. You have Incarnacion. You have Josh Donaldson, Yonder Alonso. Those are the guys I expect to go deep. If you guys go deep, it's just a bonus. I need you to get on base and wreak havoc because when you're both on base, stealing bases, other teams hate it. 
more that we have Houston pitch out of the stretch, the better our chances are to win this series. Yeah, when we really need our table setter and our our best hitter, who's in the third spot, to really do things. We can't we can't have only Michael Brantley taking uh, taking it over because you know if if it gets to that point, what's going to happen is is they're going to handle Lindor, they're going to walk Brantley, they're going to come to Jose. He's gonna he, he's gonna you know not not hit and then we're gonna go to Juan Encarnacion and Juan is only really there as an extra base hitter. He's not the type of batter that's there to move you over. He's the type of batter that I want to score you. So it's gonna be an easy to pitch around the top four. And if you eliminate the top four right there, we're in trouble because after that, there's not much. I mean, Yonder's good. Yon's Yon's good. Dave, Josh Donaldson's good, but I don't know if you, if how much effective Jan Gomes is going to be it depends on how his hand feels after those stitches come out. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, especially with colder baseball weather around the corner, it, it will depend on that. I still still believe in Jan until I see that he's not going to be good. I still believe in it. But uh, if you're pitching around those top four and we have to start winning the game by the bottom of our lineup, we're in trouble because after you get past those three. We, we have guys that are almost guaranteed outs. So I, I'm, I'm scared if we can't get Jose Ramirez back back running on all cylinders and Lindor as well. I still think uh, Tribe better clutch pitching is going to win this game, win the series, I should say. I have the Indians winning this in four. I don't see it going back to Houston for five. I have the Indians winning it in five. I think we go back to Houston, and I think we take one there. I think we take a 1-0, maybe 2-1 game. That that's hard fought. Uh, this is this is a flip of a coin. These teams are similar, and these teams are for me. This is this is unfortunately a World Series caliber matchup in the division series. I, I just I hate it that it's this early. Um, I hate it that it's not gonna we're not gonna get seven games of this. But I think this is gonna be a back and forth slugfest. One game where we're gonna look at it and be like, I can't believe that was that score. The next game we're gonna be like, man, that was a good game things like that, that we're going to be all up and down emotions-wise, but I think the Indians take it in five for sure. Excellent, excellent. I'm hoping that's the case, too. It's going to be another long winner. Um, Red Sox are playing, as we know, the winner of the A's and the Yankees, and I think this works out kind of good. I've got the A's winning. You've got the Yankees winning, so you can kind of break down the Yanks a little bit. I'll talk about the A's. Um, series, it all depends on who wins the wild card game. Um, the A's, to me, they're one of the hottest teams in all of baseball. If they beat the Yankees, I think they have what it takes to beat the Red Sox, just based off how they're playing as a team right now. Um, my goodness. Uh, that's all I really have. The A's only had uh, a couple of guys with more than 10 wins, which was insane to me again. The fact that they won as many games as they did, they had a very stout bullpen, a very average offense. Uh, but, you know, the Red Sox, until somebody knocks them off, they had the best season in their history of their franchise. Um, but, their offense, they are going to outclub you. But in the postseason, we found it's not how much you can outslug; it's who can pitch the best game. Yeah, the Red Sox have been kind of a choke artist lately when it comes to the playoffs. Um, you know, Mookie Betts, you know, has no RBIs and any any appearance in in postseason. Um, you know, their their horses and Chris Sale and David Price have just kind of disappeared. Chris Sale was better last year. I would give him that; he was better, but. Postseason Chris Sale, postseason David Price have not been good. So it's 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 tough for me to really think that they're going to advance, but they've been a good team this year. Uh, they, I mean, you don't just win 100 games, I, I, you know, on a fluke. So 
it's going to be tough to beat them uh, for sure. But I'm with you. It just depends on who they who who they face. I really do. I I want a Yankees Boston series because I'm telling you that's another slugfest that is going to be fi- all five games up and down, twists and turns. I can't believe that happened. So uh, that's what I'm looking for because they're they're similar teams. They really are. And when I was looking up the analytics on them. Pretty much mirror images, one off each, pretty much each category. So I think that that's why I got to go with the Yankees because they're similar to Boston. And and I think they're just better than Oakland at this point. Although Oakland is scarier than we think. I right. don't give them that. Well, how effective is Aaron Judge and how healthy is he going to be? Because he's been hurt for 50 games this year. I got to give the Yankees credit. They have a great bullpen. There's their stack three at the end, Chapman, Robertson, and Green. That's a tough, that's a tough threesome to beat. Um, but like, like I said, it's just going to depend on who ultimately takes this. I think the A's are going to rep- represent the American league and the American league championship series. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Boston on this one. I think I feel pretty confident about Boston. Uh, again, you don't just win a uh, hundred games on a fluke. You know, this is why I'm picking a lot of these teams that want to want a hundred games. You've got to be a solid team to do that. You can't have a lot of holes. In, in your game to do this. So Boston is definitely the, the team I'm going to go with. I think Mookie Betts turns things around. I think he continues his uh, MVP candidate season in the playoffs for sure. So that said, you've got – we both have Milwaukee versus the Dodgers. I've got the Tribe versus the A's. You've got the Tribe versus Boston. Right now as it sits, who's your World Series pick for the NL – out of the NL? Who's winning? Who's going? L.A. or Milwaukee? Man – yeah, man, I want I want to go. It's you're hard pressed to bet against veteran prowess. You really are, but I just don't think the Dodgers are that clutch of a team at all. I'm going with the hot hand. I, I got to go with Milwaukee. Me too. I was thinking Milwaukee's going to be that. Uh, I think it's their year, um, and I think that the Indians. Have, I haven't faced in the A's. I think they're a better ball club than the A's. Um, I have Cleveland going back to the World Series this year as well. Like I said, I've, I've said it from the day we started this podcast. I felt they were going back to the World Series, and I'm certainly not going to steer, steer clear of that now. And you know, Cleveland is the best built team for the play, postseason right now. I, I think I got it. I got to go with Cleveland. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, renege on that right now at all. So who do you have winning it all then? You got Milwaukee versus the Indians in the World Series, the matchup that Fox doesn't want to see. But suck it, Joe Buck. That's what you're going to get. And then we're going to hear all about Christian Yelich. There's, if, if I'd be surprised if Joe Buck takes an interest in Cleveland. I, I really would be surprised. He too. did give him some props on the NFL Network thing for like five seconds. But. I mean, yeah, he did. I, he he gave us some props because you know we were we were starved for a win. So you know, I know he loves the underdog role. So he was going for the underdog, and I I appreciated Joe Buck for what you did. But uh, I need you to understand that even if Milwaukee coming in this year. No matter what, a team who hasn't won a major league title in over 50 years is the underdog, period, end of story. So I I think we deserve for him to be on our side, but that's besides the point. For my World Series prediction, I I just feel that, again, the Indians are just built for the postseason. They have fewer holes than any other team and and, and are pretty clearly superior in the AL right now. the the Indians they are peaking at the right time with without Jose Ramirez and if Jose Ramirez comes back we're gonna just steamroll through this so for me I think we get the Brew Crew in seven. 
I've got the Indians winning the World Series this year in six games. Um, I, I've said it before. There's just something about this team, the way that they play, the way that they gel, the way that they care about each other, the way that they're managed. Um, they are the best-built team for this time, for this position. Um, and their time is now. This should be their second one in three years, but I'll take the first one. I'll be the first one in line for that parade down downtown Cleveland. But Cleveland Indians, World Series champions in six games. It's going to be one heck of a ride either way. I think you probably have the best, you know, eight teams left uh, in the playoffs now. We'll soon to be eight after the Yankees and A's played tonight. Um, it's going to be one heck of a ride. You know, the game can change on every pitch, um, as we've seen. Um, so if you're going to be watching a game, you know, they take their time. It's not a quick thing. Be prepared to spend four hours of your life watching each postseason game. But you know what? That's the beauty of October baseball. Yeah, game 163 from both of those teams were amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then it, it didn't it didn't come down after that as as well. You know, the wild card game last night between the Rockies and the Cubs was every bit exciting. And that's the, another thing that's great about the playoffs is you may not have a vested interest in either one of those teams, but you can if you love baseball, you love these games because they, it was fun. It was fun watching that game. I, I actually passed out on the game because it was just so late at night. And I ended up waking up to see the Rockies celebrating. And I was sad that I missed it because I don't know how it happened because I'm sure it happened in spectacular form. Um, and I haven't caught the sports center to, to see how it happened. But I'm excited for the Rockies to, to move forward and play on because, of course, that parody. And that's what I'm loving about baseball because they have the most parody in, in all of sports. And when it's all said and done, though, go Tribe. Go Tribe. All right, guys, don't forget, coming up next week, we have Jack McCurry, co-host of the 1085 Gridiron Pod and the NC Sportscast Pod. Jack is also the lead writer and head of the NorthCoastSports.com, so please check him out. He's got a lot of good stuff out there for you guys to enjoy. If you don't want to listen to people talk, it's great reading material. And you can follow Jack on Twitter at JM. I'm sorry. My apologies. I did it again. Is it? It's at J McCurry, C L E. At J McCurry, C L E. Look forward to talking Browns football and some Indians baseball with Jack next week. So, my man, we got some top stories, some geek stuff. Toys R Us corporate. I didn't even know they still existed. Has halted their bankruptcy auction. And the lenders who technically own the rights to good old Jeffrey the giraffe and the logos and everything have decided that dismantling it and trying to sell it off for piece and parts isn't worth it. But reviving the brand and Terry King's credit card is probably the best way to go. What do you think? I think it's amazing. Um, you know, when me and my wife are just out cruising on a random Saturday and we need some time to kill that time was always killed at Toys R Us. I'm always amazed to go in there and see the evolution of the toys and what kids are playing with. And I'm actually excited um, um, that they're coming back because I never really shopped there. I You just browsed. I was just window shopping. Mm -hmm. And I remember when they were closing down, uh, TK was sending me a lot of these pictures. You, you were sending me a lot of these pictures. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. The cool toys that you were buying at, at cost and half off and things like that. And, I didn't take advantage of that at all. So I think this time around, when I see something I like, I think I'm going to go for it. I'm excited that they're coming back for sure. They're not sure how it's going to go. It might be a lot of online stuff using the you know Toys R Us logo 
And that's something that they kind of failed to capitalize right. on. And that's kind of why they kind of went belly up. One of the biggest reasons. Um, but I just wish they could have come to this decision before they liquidated all their stores, before they laid off all their employees. But they don't need to have 740 stores in the United States anymore. You could have that, still have a plenty of a presence in each state or in, in the areas where you feel it needs to be. But every time I drive by a Toys R Us, whether it's in Akron going out to, you know, the BJ's Wholesale or out in Fairlawn uh, when you're going to Best Buy or, you know, the mall out that way, you know, where you see the Halloween stores. I mean, Toys R Us's corpse isn't even cold yet, and they've got these Halloween stores inside Toys R Us. Man, Halloween stores are for places like Broken Down, Kmart's, Walmart's, and Targets. That's where we all go, not in the corpse of my favorite toy store. Yeah, and and like you said, you know, 800 stores worldwide closed down, three, over 30,000 people out of a job. It's going to be nice to have at least some of that back, you know, generating that hole that was left in the toy industry. I think it was like $11 billion that was, that was a hole or something like that. So it'd be great for them to come back. Uh, for me, I, as a collector of toys, I'm, I'm excited because hopefully they, they will take more pride and bring out better toys and, and toys that are going to get you and I salivating in there, like those those legacy Power Ranger toys and even and legacy some, Star Wars toys and something like that. that. You know, generate a new market for guys like you and I who do love to collect these toys and, and we'll keep them in pristine condition for the next generation so that or until we have kids. Or that too. I, I you know, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think I'm gonna let my kids play with these toys. I'll buy them a, uh, the same I'll buy two of each so that I have a collector and let them play. But you well, know, there are certain toys that if if it's out of the box, they can play with it right. more than likely. But I'm not afraid to send my child back to Jesus if they take some of my stuff out of their boxes. Yeah, and, and that's that's how I feel about it as well. You know, um, my, my mom was a collector of toys that most people don't know. I'm not really into the to the, the Barbie scene that she was in, but some of the Barbies that she was able to obtain, like the Wizard of Oz and, you know, the original Bob Mackie Barbies, they, they were fun to look at because I, I just was just into toys like that. You know, I, I would never be caught playing with a Barbie, of course, but uh, right. I definitely loved looking at the costumes that they had and, and, and everything like that. And, I, and I, I'm that way now. I don't necessarily collect Barbies. What I collect is the action figures of, of all the, the, the heroes and everything like that. So it's fun for me to have those little toys sitting around and, and I, and I hope Toys R Us d dives into that that market of people who want to just collect these types of things. Right. And I don't think they need to get so diversified. I think when you walked into Toys R Us, they had too much stuff. Stuff that you know is not going to be a, a primetime seller. You know Amazon's going to beat you. Keep out of your stores. But for the people who want to go in for that instant gratification or someone like me who, if I know that that 25th anniversary toy is there, that legacy toy is there, or if I need to stop and get something for a family member and I know that's the only place I can get it, Toys R Us exclusive stuff, you don't need to have as big a store as you had before. You could maybe have three-quarters of the size that you had. But just the fact that they're going to have the name back in the marketplace I think is huge because Toys R Us just wasn't a name. It was a legacy. It was started many years ago back in the 50s. Um, so the fact that they're canceling their bankruptcy auction and they're not going to mortgage everything off for pieces and parts, I think it shows the lenders that had Toys R Us's debt that might be partially owners of this company now, even with the fact that you know Mattel laid off 2,200 people because of the collapse of Toys R Us, I think these big toy companies are seeing if our biggest customer goes away and stays away, that we put stuff in brick and mortar places for people to walk into, not only does it hurt 
that brand, but it hurts our brand because we got to lay people off. It makes us look bad. So if we can somehow find a way to make this work, it doesn't have to be as big as it was because people mm-hmm. are going to shop the name. When they see the name Toys R Us, it's going to draw people. It always has. They just were too late in the game to rebrand their business model, to rebrand themselves, to kind of figure out ways to save money. Now that they've almost had a near-death experience, they're coming to Jesus moment, I think this could be successful if done the proper way. And I'm available. You can call me, email me. I can give you all the tips that you need. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. We, we need maybe one, two, like, serious brick-and-mortar stores. But there's a model that's out there, like Best Buy. They have a couple stores here or there, um, not too many, not, not oversaturate the market. And then they have the Best Buy Mobile that's randomly in the mall. Right. I, you know, malls have been missing a toy store for quite a while when KB went out of business. Why not throw a Toys R Us in the middle of the mall? Maybe a department store or something like that. It's definitely going to help you traffic a lot because you, you're going to bring kids to the mall and they're going to want to go to, you know, Toys R Us. Even some teenagers are going to want to go in there and hang out and do their thing. So why yeah, not? like KB did at the very end. Yeah, exactly. They put you know, those express stores inside the mall. You put the stuff in there that people absolutely have to have, and it's going to make a killing. Just don't overprice it. Exactly. Um, I know we talked. We said we were going to only talk WWE, but they do have a big pay-per-view coming up this weekend. Yeah, um, Super Showdown. Um, somebody posted something on Twitter. It was funny. It showed a picture of 1998 Triple H, full hair, full beard, Shawn Michaels, full hair, full beard, full pose. And then it's like my drunk uncle and his best friend, you know, the homeless guy with the rib shirt and the bald homeless guy, you know. I didn't know Shawn Michaels shaved his head completely bald. Oh, my goodness. So Shawn Michaels was starting to go balding for quite a while. And uh, if you watch some of his matches later in his career, right, especially the retirement match with with The Undertaker – he had just one strand that was long enough that he was basically combing backwards to stay over the top of his balding head. Right. Now it's a cul-de-sac. It, it's gone. <laughs> it's completely gone, it's and gone. he's completely and, bald. And when, when the Undertaker uh, – no, when Kane took him off his feet on Raw, and I, that hat came flying off, my hat, my hat, uh, my mouth also flew open because I was like, wow, I didn't know he went that, that bald. They made them two look old and beaten up, and that was a, that was a good segment, but – the segment that I really just want to talk about real quick, um, I was telling my wife about it, was the Elias Kevin Owens in the ring heat that they got. I have not heard a crowd boo that long and that loud for an extended period. And just the general gist of it, um, Elias said something to the effect of, you know, this makes about as much sense as having a basketball team in Seattle. And the Supersonics have been gone for almost over 10 years now, at least 10 years. Maybe more than that. Maybe more than that. And those fans have not forgotten about it. They are like that ex-girlfriend that got scorned and never got over their ex-lover. They went nuts on these guys. These guys asked, they're like, hey, turn up the microphone. They're screaming into the microphone, and I'm turning it up just so I can hear it. I'm like, oh, great. My wife's going to yell at me because I got the TV up all the way. Right. And all you heard was booze. And I read a bunch of things. Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, you know, from the Wrestling Observer, Brian Alvarez apparently was live there, and uh, one of the guys from the uh, podcast that we talked about, uh, he was there too, and he mentioned he had never heard a place so loud before. Like He was laughing because like he's not from that area. He's from this area. Just sit back and take it in. But for them to get that kind of a heat, that's the kind of stuff we were talking about that wrestling used to be. It was nice to see that for such a short time, and I hope that the powers that be in WWE see this and build off of it. You know, Elias is badly booked, but the segment that they give him where he comes out and basically pretends that he's going to sing his new song for the for the city that he's in is a great segment, and, and, and Elias kills it every single time. I went to the Raw that came here a couple months ago, 
and Elias came out and he mentioned something about Cleveland and in a derogatory fashion. And he was basically booed out of the building. And I, I thought that was pretty loud. Probably the loudest I had ever been in the queue forever. It, it felt like the loudest I had ever heard the queue besides when LeBron James returned. Right. And, uh, and for me, that the one segment on Raw uh, last Monday, I was with you. I was sitting there like I can't even hear what he's saying anymore. Like, right. I, and that made to me that, that filled my heart because I was like, we've got a we got a true villain. Right. <coughs> excuse me. Let's move forward. And even when they were you know talking about John Cena, the crowd was booing them for dogging on John Cena. And I get it. <coughs> Jay's uh, having a tough time with his uh, with his voice tonight. And that's okay. I was there a few weeks ago myself. I'm not a big fan of the way they booked this match, though, because you had Bobby Lashley come out and you know and wrestle, but John Cena showing up for the first time in months, and basically it's because it's a Super Showdown and people want you know they want John Cena's going to make God only knows how much money to go down there. Well, I'll but show Bobby Lashley and John Cena yeah. versus Kevin Owens and Elias that doesn't excite me. I could care less. Like if I decide to get Super Showdown and watch it this weekend, that's going to be my potty break, lunch break, whatever. I could care less. That match does absolutely nothing for me. Do you have do you, so? Do you have the network? No, but I'm considering getting it because there's a couple big pay per views. Do you do you know what do you know what time this pay per view is on? They said Saturday. What time does it start? Five a.m. What? I'm not watching that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Five a.m. You know morning. what I'm gonna do? Actually, you know what? My wife's in here saying no, giving us the Undertaker throat slash. I am gonna pull that up on the iPad at five o'clock in the morning. Welcome to Saturday, my love. Yeah. So <laughs> at five a.m. in the morning, I, I'm planning on getting out of bed. Um, Are you really cooking some breakfast, watching the Super Showdown, catching a nap before I head off to the Kent State OU game? That's literally what I'm planning on doing. No kidding. Well, I might have to spend the night at Jay's house on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it starts at 5 a.m. Uh, it, it's that way because it's in Australia, of course. Right. And you know, Australia doesn't get to see John Cena, so I understand why they have John Cena. But in my opinion, it's badly booked. You could have done better with John Cena if you was going to bring him back. My opinion, if you were going to bring John Cena back, why not bring The Rock back? Right. At the same time, let them wrestle each other down there. We've seen it before, but let's see it again. Right. Batista's also going to be back. Um, for SmackDown Live in two weeks. Why yeah. not let him come there as well and let him wrestle John Cena? So many better options than putting him in a match with Lashley, a tag team match at that, and Kevin Owens and uh, Elias. Two wrestlers that are just getting completely buried right now. So if if – if this pay per view starts at five a.m., when what in the heck time is the Crown Jewel pay per view going to start? Do, do we even know? Uh, so that one's later in the day. Uh, so for some reason, their time zone is makes us to have a. Uh, it's like a three o'clock. I think three or five o'clock. Uh, Did you hear that the Saudi Arabian government or whoever is their sports commission, whatever they want all the big names there? So apparently. Stone Cold has started training for a comeback for this. And you might get a match out of him because they want to see him. Are you kidding me? I, I wish I was lying. I read it in three different credible places, which that seeing Stone Cold Russell one more time is in it for me. And they've also offered, outside of what WWE would offer, they offered $20 million for The Rock to come. And they basically said if he's a champion, he'll get $20 million. We book him at either he wins the belt here or book him to have the belt when he comes here. We want The Rock as a champion. I don't know how they would. I don't know how they do that. But I did hear that the Rock was planning on making another run. Excuse me, folks. Um, another run inside the ring. So this would be like his last match. Like last matches, he would win the title before it, 
that's like a four million dollar match. He'd get twenty million from Saudi Arabia and another four million to work WrestleMania or a couple. Of, so he'll just work three or four matches and make twenty eight million dollars. Sheesh! I, I am I mean, in that wrong business. I, I got I a really body am. like Kevin Owens. Call me. I got more charisma than that guy. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I really have. I don't have a comment for that at all. But uh, <laughs> but definitely, definitely, I would love to see the Rock. You know, Stone Cold and the Rock is something that. I would love to see again for sure. And I don't care how old these guys I mean, what are. was I doing when you came here today? I was finishing up some notes on the show. And what did I have on my phone? Oh, yeah. You had what was it, what, what Stone Cold and Kurt Angle. Kurt Stone yeah, Cold Kurt and Kurt Angle. Angle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, they were uh, – I wish Kurt Angle would wrestle too, man. He looks He's training now. for a comeback now too. That's why he's uh, – That's why he took some time off? Yeah, that's why – So we're just going to get 90s show. wrestling when it comes to this again. Pretty much. Oh, okay. I'll definitely be watching that. That Twitter handle you have us – they had me follow, 90s WWF Wrestling. They did a thing where Triple H got stunned six times in 59 seconds oh, and i just laughed my rear end ever. best thing ever and that the is, way he took stunners was almost as good as the rock you know it you know the time is 1997 they posted this one the time is 1997 your worst the worst thing you had to deal with in 1997 was how you're gonna watch raw and nitro simultaneously That's, right <laughs> i mean too bad they didn't have tivo then because then you could tape them both and then just fast forward through the commercials exactly or you, you know you you could sit there i wish i had two tvs so i could have just put them side by side and, and done the thing that way, but uh, well, I mean, speaking of like raw and nitro, I don't know if you know this, but you could subscribe to it. Um, I I just I don't have the, the time to do it or the extra cash, um, but I found a few of their the, the shows were posted on YouTube. But Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer and his co-host Big Vinny V, they go back and they have they rewatch Nitro and Raw from the same week. And they break it down for you again and talk about how either how good or how bad it was. And at first it was Pro WCW, WWF stinks. And as, as the WWF started to win the war, you'd just be like, man, Nitro sucked. And they would say why Nitro would get like 20 minutes of time. WWF would get like 40 minutes of their time just talking about what happened. But it is just they, it's the raw Nitro recap. And they, they rewatch it at the same time or separately. And then they come together and they talk about the different segments and who was on them and what they did and how it was booked. And if you're the wrestling fan that wants to go back and doesn't have time to get the network, maybe you pull up these shows and listen to them. Yeah, and it's fun to go back and watch what they were doing. I always try to try to get my wife involved when I'm watching them and to kind of make her understand why I'm such a wrestling fan now, even though I, I don't think it's the best product that they have. I, I try to put it, show her the type of imagery and and the passion and the pageantry that they had back in the '90s. And I go back and I and I get still get chills with some of those moments. That, oh yeah, that happened. Uh, you know, there's there's moments where you the caskets rolled out to the ring. They open up the casket to you know basically do a casket match. No one's in the in the casket. Casket somehow during the match gets closed, and you open it back up, and Kane's in there, or Undertaker, or the Undertaker, you right. know, or Mankind. Somebody's in there. It just these are the things that I, I definitely miss, and, and and you you got me excited again about you know the the prospect of a returning of some of those guys that were that made the 90s great and i hope that they don't make them pg when they come back because like watching some of stone cold promos oh real quick too shout out to my wife she knew who elias was the other day we were watching it i was like that's a lie she goes oh yeah like she knew who elias was and she's sitting here shaking at me and shaking her head no yeah you knew but like well going back and watching stone cold's promos there is a very very uh big theme he's gonna raise a lot of hell drink a lot of beer Vince McMahon is a son of a bitch and his little bastard son. I mean, that that was Stone Cold. And I know this is a family-friendly show, but that's what WWF was. And every time Stone Cold would come out and say that little bastard boy of yours, I would laugh hysterically because that was 
that was fun to me or Stone Cold or Rock coming out and making fun of show. That was fun to me or Rock making fun of anybody. That was fun to me. This stuff now. I, I think the envelope that was, wasn't, they were, they weren't afraid to push the envelope. And now because they're a publicly traded company, you know, they're, they're afraid to push the envelope and, and make anybody mad whose pockets they're in. Right. Vince now. won the war. Exactly. He won his competition. The biggest competition he has now can't touch him. So he's gotten complacent. Doesn't need to take those chances. He anymore. doesn't. And there's, that's a shame. There's no chances being taken at all. And, you know, I was watching one of one of the more controversial moments. And I get why they don't do this now. But uh, there's a one moment where heel Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H were basically somehow in an alliance with each other. I'm not sure how that formulated. But they were facing the Hardy Boys. Somehow the Hardy Boys were getting the upper hand and everything went off the rail. And they, you know, in true Stone Cold and Triple H fashion, they took the the easy way out, hit the Hardy Boys with the belts, knocked them out. And Matt Hardy ended up in the middle of the ring, knocked out because he got pedigreed. Oh. And then Lita comes in the ring and tries to help out. And she gets stunned. And she gets stunned. And I get why they don't do it anymore because, you know, men beating up on women is not a great thing, even as – TK laughs. But it was still funny. I mean, but, even when Stone Cold came back and stunned the entire McMahon family. But he stuns you know, Linda McMahon who takes the exactly. worst stunner ever. And, and, and the, you know, these things weren't, uh, weren't feared. And, and maybe because we just knew that what was going on inside the ring was was it was it a show. And you don't do this outside. I, you know, right. I'm not going to walk up to your wife and Stone Cold stunner unless she, she's into that type of thing, whatever. But, uh, you know. That we knew not to do that. Part of me would want to kick your rear end, and part of me would laugh hysterically if you tried to stun my wife. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to stone cold stun your wife without knowing that I got to run after it. So, right. Uh, but no. In all seriousness, looking at that, there was also a part in that after she got stunned, she still tried to help out, and Stone Cold was looking at her like, "I can't believe you're still moving after Stone Cold got Stone Cold stunned." So he got picked up a chair and he started whooping her with the chair. <laughs> yeah, that was. And and this, I was, I showed my wife this. She was like, "They did that." And I was like, "This is why people watch, though. Right. Like, people watch." Symbol ripped the off her shirt and all she had was handprints on where her painted handprints on her breasts. Yeah, that's I mean, what was in in the nineties. I mean, that was for me, my you know, a little little uh, you know, adolescent boy that was into to seeing that stuff. That was the only action I was getting. So. <laughs> Um, you know, we were 12, of course, you know, that was the only action we were getting. So I was curious. That was awesome, you know, to me. But the the, the new WWE isn't like that anymore. Um, I, I, the only thing I appreciate about the new WWE, and I said it before, is they're, they're doing more with the women's wrestling. And yeah. I appreciate what they're doing for sure by pushing them and not making them basically the rodeo clowns of WWE anymore. They are actually legit talent. Uh, but other than that, I, I, I'm not liking much that's going on. So Hopefully the 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 new pay per view that you're talking about, and I forgot they were pushing that pay per view. Crown Brock, Jewel, yeah, Crown Jewel. They're pushing it with uh, Brock and Roman and Braun. Already. I would like to see Rock put in that match. If you're gonna have Rock come back, throw him in that match and have him walk away at the belt. Yeah, that's a nice wild card. Yeah, and that's why I, th- I thought we had talked about it. That's what they were gonna do. They were gonna set Roman up to lose to the Rock. And I just and, if Stone Cold okay. comes back though, I don't know who you pin him against because him versus Taker's not any fun. I would like to see maybe him versus John Cena and put and have Cena put Stone Cold over because Cena doesn't do a lot of stuff that would mess with Steve Austin's neck. And Steve Austin could do things to John Cena that John Cena wouldn't. It would be a good match to see two of the biggest blockbuster, ticket-selling, machine-selling machines coming head-to-head. It's like 
we never got to see Hogan versus Austin. If I can see Hogan versus Cena, or I'm sorry, Austin versus Cena, sold. You've got my money right now. I'll buy it right now. I think I would like to see Austin versus Dean Ambrose. Um, yeah, that'd be fun too. Sim- similar, similar guys. Similar, except for they don't allow Dean Ambrose to be like Stone Cold, but he feels like I felt like he has the mentality to be like Stone Cold, the way he acts and the way he's supposed to be uh, the loose cannon and things like that. I feel like he has it, but he's more tame because it's a PG company now, so he's not able to do that. But I, I would like to see that. It seems like some of that would be fun. Um, and then I, I think I would also like to see Stone Cold maybe against Kevin Owens. And, that would be a fun and, match. And everything like that. Especially the, the verbal sparring that could go on. Oh, my gosh. Is, is yes. something that would be pretty amazing to see. Right. And then, you know, because that's a guy that could take bumps and he's going to be working with Stone Cold. So I would, tr- Kevin Owens is very solid in the ring. Yeah. Um, the only thing that concerns me is I just don't want to see anything happen to Austin with the way the neck problems he's had. So, you know, you have to watch some of yeah. the bumps he'd have to take. Yeah. Might even have to be a tag team match. And yeah. that's fine. Stone Cold comes in, whips everybody's ass, rolls right up to room 316, and burns that son of a bitch to the ground. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's essentially what I'm looking for. Exactly. So, moving on, Earl Thomas took a. Gamble on himself to try to get paid. Ends up fracturing his leg in a contract year off for the season. As he's getting carted off the field, he flips off his teammates and his coaches on the Seattle sidelines. Jay, my man, talk about that. So I, I have to give him honorable mention for our jackass award. Uh, I'm absolutely disappointed in Earl Thomas. And and this is me saying this, understanding why he did what he did. Um it's exact reason why Le'Veon Bell hasn't decided to come back as well. But at the end of the day, my man, you signed a contract. And if the your employer is not willing to work with you on your contract, you ride that contract out and then you ride off into the sunset to a different team. Right. Period. End of story. I mean, yeah, it sucks that you hurt yourself, but you know, you know, and it's in the heat of the moment and that, that break probably <clears throat> cost you tens of millions of dollars. Absolutely. But, you know, you can't be flicking people off. You can't. I mean. Who are you, Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> exactly. It's so funny. In one breath, we're like, yeah, you should be flicking everybody off. And then the next thing we're like, hey, you can't flick people off. You can't off. be doing that, no. But this is also the NFL. And and when we're talking about all the imagery and, and how players are looking, this is not something you want to add to the fuel, that the venom that people have for the NFL players. We're not. They're not winning the battle. That basically right just shows a kid if he gets gets a chance to play, doesn't like his coach, he gets hurt. They're going to be building him off the field. The next thing you're going to see some twelve year old kid blank you, right? right. You know, getting wheeled off the thing with his middle fingers. Kids now. are already unruly as it is. I mean, I'm a coach as it at, right now, and some of the things the kids get away with saying to me is something I hadn't even thought of saying to my coach because I was scared of what would happen if coach either kicked me off the team or. You told my uh, told I, my yeah, parents. Exactly. If I would talk back to a coach, A, I'm going to pay for it out there. But B, if I talk back to a coach like that, it gets back to my parents. Right. God bless them, especially my dad when I was a kid. To me, my dad was the closest thing to a God-fearing thing that there was on this on this planet. Yeah. You don't disrespect mom. You don't disrespect your teachers because if or your coaches. And if you do, good, good luck with what they do because I get what's left. Okay, well, that scared me straight. You don't – there's a line. You don't cross it. Kids nowadays, they cross that line. Man, I can't wait to have kids because they are going to be in for a rude awakening because we're going to raise them the old school way. Right. When I have kids, these things won't exist. Like yeah. the, the phone, the tablets, they won't exist. We're going to go outside and play. We're going to go – not going to have the sense of entitlement. We're going to do it the right way. You know, and I get Earl Thomas. I 100% get Earl Thomas's, uh, you know, anger and frustration, but he's going to regret that 
decision to flick them off. Because that's going to cost them some money too. Yeah. Not only know. from the NFL, but from whoever the next contract and you is. you got to be careful because the NFL apparently isn't afraid to stonewall you. I mean, they did it to Cap, regardless of what people may think. Now, I'm on the opinion that they didn't really blackball Cap. I'm on the opinion that he's just not good enough. And, and the reason why I think it is this way, he's not good enough for the drama that he's going to bring. And that's fair. That, that's that's a fair. Is he better than a lot of the guys who are second yes. and third stringers in the league now? Yes. But the bag, you're absolutely right with the bag. And it's can, the same. I can he's agree a, with he's that. the same exact reason for Tebow. So when you are a distraction, isn't NFL it a shame teams, Tebow took a, a, a knee for the the right diff, the right way after scoring a touchdown, <laughs> giving thanks to to his Lord and Savior, and he gets blackballed and, and out of the league for that. That it's a it's it's all about. It's all about distractions, though, because yeah. for me, Kaepernick's a distraction and Tim Tebow's a distraction. You don't want to keep answering questions about your guy that's not even going to start. And right. Kaepernick right now is good enough to start, but is he? Is he? Does he fit people's schemes? Who knows? He's just too much of a distraction for it, and and that's why I feel like Earl Thomas is going to regret that decision because everybody's going to. That's always going to be the question. Uh, you know, like that's uh, a brand new gift that you can make. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, Oh, I get it, man. But you do that stuff behind closed doors, not in the middle of the field where the, the, the 50,000 that were there in the stadium. And then all the millions at home were watching you basically unfiltered flick somebody off. Yeah. That that's like the, the feeling I have coming into work on a Saturday or Sunday morning hung over and people come talking to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Middle finger as I'm bird. riding away. Yeah. yeah like, get the bird. Every yeah. all you can get the bird, but right. I don't do it because I don't want to be blackballed for my job. And then the next job, I don't want to have to tell them, why'd you get fired? Because I gave everybody the bird. Like, right. <laughs> I, that's just not. And everybody the, saw it too in that case. Yeah. You know, so Earl, you, you, you get an honorable mention for Jackass Award because I get why you did it, but it was the wrong reason to do it. So, real quick note I'm not a big MMA guy, uh, but I think Conor McGregor's crazy. Conor McGregor, real quick, yes or no, does he win this weekend? In his Absolutely. Fight? There's no question. I have no question that Conor McGregor is going to win. And I say that with absolutely 100% confidence because there's two fighters that I believe in that are right now unstoppable. That's John Jones and Conor McGregor. It just, it's just not going to happen. He's not fighting Nick Diaz who has a stone chin. He's fighting some guy that hasn't been tested. So Conor McGregor is going to be that test. And we'll see if this guy's a true champion or not this weekend. All right. That's good enough for me. So, moving on, TK's tirade, my old show, had this. I loved it. Uh, it'll evolve uh, into what it used to be as well. But what we got you got to get, before you're going to have a president and a vice president and Senate members, you have to have some people on the board first. And this is the TK and Jay show's jackass list. And we're going to add to this list weekly. It might not be a lot of names. It might just be one. It might be two. Whatever the situation warrants. I've got my top three. I'm going to let Jay go ahead and give his first. All right, so I only have one. This is all I can think of. I don't have too many gripes with a lot of players. I understand they do what they do. But this this guy just hasn't sat with me well with me since uh, it was week three. And it's going to be Isaiah Crowell. I, I just – man, I just cannot handle the fact of what he did on Did that you see he got a wipe deal, like a, a wet wipe your ass kind of deal to – So he got a new endorsement for yes. this this place called Dude Wipes. <laughs> Dude Wipes. <laughs> to explain what Dude Wipes are, because I didn't know what they were, but apparently they are adult um, – well, what are – they're adult wet nap. Um, wet wipes for your butt? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're called baby wipes, I guess. 
Um, I guess that's what we call them. So I guess they're adult wipes, but that's exactly what they are. So if you, you, you know, toilet paper is not enough you, to get your booty clean, you, you got to go to these wipes and that's what they are. They're called dude wipes. They're supposed to make you feel more masculine about using these things. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I just don't understand how you get reward for crappy behavior. Oh, right. Man, excuse my pun. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if anything, the only people that should have been supporting a man like this, if we were going to do this, we're going to give him endorsement. You should have got Charmin because he's just as soft as every one of those extra soft rolls. Oh, I wow. Mean, I just. Bub on. <laughs> I don't. He'll be here all weekend, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to tip your waiters. <laughs> I just, I just can't stand what he did. It was the, the worst example since Randy Moss's mooning. And Randy, Randy Moss's mooning was tamed by all means. And he was doing it to have fun. Right. But to actually take this thing and wipe it in your butt and then throw it to the fans. I, I just thought that was such a classist act. I mean, it just, you know, I just didn't understand. It was like, I, I loved you for three to four years, Crow. I, you, even when you were inconsistent, I just, I, I'm lost because we didn't do anything. We, we, the Browns picked you up off the trash pile when you went undrafted. We, we gave you carries when, when, you know, you didn't deserve them. And so I'm sorry, you know, that you got let go, but we felt that Carlos Hyde, uh, Duke Johnson and the draft pick, which turned into Nick Chubb, was a better option at this point. Right. And they've been way more consistent than Crow had, had been in those three or four years. So I'm sorry for you. And, you know, but at the end of the day, he did still lose the game. The, uh, you know, the Jets are terrible. So that's, that's exciting for me. And Crow's averaging only 57 yards a, a game. So I'm winning at this point. <laughs> So I saw on uh, you know my Sports Center feed, my ESPN feed on Twitter, you know LeBron making his uh, debut for the Lakers, and I almost got sucked into watching more than thirty seconds of the Cavs yesterday. And you know how I feel about NBA right now, but that letter that you wrote to Cleveland in two thousand fourteen was just to make yourself look good for leaving the first time. I don't think your long term plan was to ever be here. You go ahead and stab us in the back and sign a four year deal with a team that is ten times worse than we are. So, LeBron, believe in something until you don't, and then just go to another team. Just leave. You're a jackass, and you always will be, and I don't ever want you coming back. My other one, I thought I would never mention his name or even stoop to this level, but I don't care because he makes my skin crawl when I hear him on the radio. Aaron Goldhammer, you are a jackass, and one day my microphone will be bigger than yours. Honorable mention, Roger Goodell, because you get booed every time you're on the stage at the draft, so why not? You're pretty much a jackass, too. Yeah, that's hilarious every time he walks out and just gets booed. And, like and, out the building booed. And I'm telling you, it's the funniest thing to watch it with someone who doesn't watch football. They're like, what did he do? And I'm like, he's just a douche. Yeah, there's, pretty much. There's no, there's no way to describe it. He literally is only concerned about making his next paycheck and getting his next contract than he is really making the NFL something that is a product that everybody can watch. Right. You know, so – for for me, I, I I'm with you on Roger Goodell. I I'm, I can pass on him all day, all day, every day. So shout out again for next week too. We're gonna have Jack McCurry on. Jack, we're gonna have to ask you. You're gonna be a panelist with us next week, co- uh, part partial co-host. We need to know you got a homework assignment. Come up with a jackass so you can add to our list, and he'll be in the wing. Uh, so Jack McCurry, co-host of the 1085 Grin Iron and the NC Sports Podcast, will be joining us next week. Um, remember to check out Jack's website the northcoastsports.com got a lot of good insight there we're really looking forward to chatting with him next week um 
Man, I think we killed it again this week. Yeah, man. Full stride. Full Michael Johnson stride right now. I love it. I, I prefer to think I'm like Michael Phelps, you know, that my guy that can swim. Nah, I'm going to go with Michael Johnson. You're going to go with Michael? I, I, don't, I don't swim. You don't I, swim? I, and it's not because of the stereotype. It's just because <laughs> I prefer to run. You prefer to run? I prefer to run. I, I know that when I stop running, I'm not going to die from it. But when I stop swimming, I could potentially die. So I gotta keep swimming. Yeah, but I just noticed the other day I was playing Mario Brothers three on my on my my you know little retro Nintendo thing, and I feel like I'm more built like Mario. Like when Mario walks, when he's when you get the little mushroom and he grows, uh-huh. he doesn't walk. That little bastard waddles. So when I walk, I feel like I'm waddling. So I don't want to waddle anywhere. Even when he runs, it's this fat little guy waddling on the screen. I was like, so, so oh, my rather, God, that is me. You'd rather, you'd rather the pain be take off and be able to be floating and swimming, and it's easier like that. Exactly. I, yeah, I, I don't have to exert as much energy. I could just paddle my hands and move where I need to go. Everybody teach their own. They built their, their own ways, so I get it. Like That's I said, you know, put me back there as your all-day quarterback when we go take on my boy and you know, my, my other boys. Um, I'm just not going to play any defense for you because – I'm going to be like the Browns defense on Sunday, man. Everybody's going to get a turn. Everybody's going to get in the end zone on yeah, DK. I mean, that's fine. Like I said, whenever those guys are ready, let us know because you are going to get lit up. <laughs> I'll be tagging these guys on Twitter when this when this when uh, when we put this out there too. But, guys, have a great week. Enjoy the Browns game this weekend. Hopefully we're coming back talking about a win. we got a nice five-day window of sports oh, yeah. where wives, we will return to your normally scheduled lives and love lives and everything else come next Wednesday. You've got the Indians Friday and Saturday. You've got the Browns Sunday. You've got the Indians Monday and potentially Tuesday. Great sports week. We're going to have a jam-packed show next week. We're looking forward to breaking it down with you guys then. All right. You guys all have a good week.